1: We can find instant satisfaction in almost anything these days. Sleepy? Instant coffee. Need to sell your car fast? Car sales? Instant offer. That's
2: right. Sell your car the instant way and get it done with Australia's most trusted site for cars.
3: Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for Same Race multi-tips. Same Racer. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet.
2: Gamble responsibly. equal
4: 1-800-858-858. Right
5: here on SENZ.
4: From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Tonight, I'm gonna have
6: myself a real good time. I feel alive. 'm having, having
7: a good time oh yeah we're gonna have a good time because I'm two hours early it's 10 o'clock staff here with you Staffy Smithy uh, Smithy Um it's a mishmash and it's gonna be a good time because we have the top eight songs left in the night and day sports songs countdown and looking at the list I'm going to say a banger, uh, an emotional one, a grunter a traditional a fat tune a classic tune and of course tune and number one Oh, I can't wait for number one. I do love me some number one. I do love me some number one. Uh, Coming up today, I just sort of uh, breezed through with Ricardo. what is coming up. Of course, Smithy is away commentating the cricket. We have our own commentary team as well. Uh, Do remember, ball-by-ball commentary of every White Ferns match in this ICC Cricket Women's World Cup. It's going to be fantastic. Game one today from Tauranga, or from Mount Maumanganui, actually, Um, New Zealand against the West Indies. Uh, and we have every White Ferns game and the playoffs as well. Um, fantastic. It's a huge, huge year for women's sport in New Zealand. Of course, of course, we've got football, we've got rugby, and we have the Cricket World Cup right just, you can almost taste it. It's just there. It's just a few hours away. Very much looking forward to that. Uh, coming up today, very shortly, Hayden Padden, uh, rally car driver, re-emerging himself onto the world stage very soon. We're going to be talking UFC with Brad Lewis. Uh, he's a regular on the afternoon show as we build up to big uh, pay-per-view and fight nights as well. But, geez, it doesn't get much bigger than Covington and Masvidal. Um They full-time hate each other's guts proper, and they used to be best mates, so I want to learn about what turned them against each other, we're going to have an update with Tainer Walters, we're going to have a chat with Peter Ferguson, probably better known for his harness racing exploits but he's a greyhound trainer as well which is fantastic, Louis Sharp, he's a 14 year old motorsport phenom, uh, chatting to him uh, in the next hour, sort of a quarter past, 20 past 11, somewhere around that, and um, Stump by Staffy. I'm scared. I'm scared. And as I said to Ricardo, I've never worn wicket-keeping gloves in my life. So oh, I'll be terrible at a stumping. Uh, Smithy's very good at this um, segment, apparently, but I'll give it a dart. Jeez, I'll give it a dart. There's a $50 TRB voucher and sleep drops up for grabs. We're going to talk to Mick Guerin. We're going to talk to Anna Corbin and Daniel McCarty, part of our great commentary team that we've compiled. That'll be just after midday. Uh, we're going to talk to Christina Eddy out of Sky Sport. I always need a hand to get me through. I've got something pretty special. Okay, 12.45. Get your dad jokes ready. We've got a prize for your dad jokes. We're going to ask for calls. at about quarter to one. Best dad joke of the day. We'll win caller of the week. I quite like that. Uh, lots of sports songs, a bit more harness racing, and just waiting for a regular... Afternoons listener Waiting to hear back If Jeremy Paul's going to join us right. How full's that For three and a half hours And for your um, audio pleasure Every half hour We'll have the lovely Emma Olsen And she's going to give you New sport and weather Standing by Pretty and pink Fantastic But first up Hayden Patton is returning To the world rally stage He had success At the WRC in Argentina And here is Patton now, will the work pay off? It is now or never, Hayden. He's never been so close to a win as this. The end of the weekend is there. Now the clock say he has done it. He's done it, but does he know?
6: Really?
7: Yeah. And now the news is broken to the crew. Patton and Ken join the WRC Winners Club, the first Kiwis to take a round of the World Championship ever. The Kiwi
6: has soared over the condor.
7: Exciting news for motorsport fans and rally fans in New Zealand and I'd even venture to say a lot of supporters around the world for our next guest, uh, New Zealand rally driver Hayden Padden. Um, he's been off our off our radar a little bit lately but boy has he stormed back and it's a pretty exciting thing that we're going to have an all Kiwi team having a crack at the world of rallying again. Hayden joins the show. G'day Hayden. Yeah, good day. Good, mate. Good. I saw you on the news last night, and first thing, that car looks money. Uh yeah. Well, well, it's
8: not quite the finished product yet. Uh, unfortunately, we don't have the actual rally car in New Zealand, so we used the, the road going i thirty n to showcase the livery, and um, yeah, we're pretty proud of you know showcasing a whole black and white New Zealand livery that we'll uh, sport when we're overseas. <laughs>
7: Now, I understand that the actual car you're going to be um, competing in is uh, being developed or has been developed in Germany. What goes into changing a car off the factory floor into a rally car? Is everything changed?
8: Uh, Yes, so the car's built by Hyundai Motorsport in Germany, which is the team that we used to drive for, and um, yeah, basically they are a factory team that build and race cars, and and, uh, Probably the other things that come from the standard car are the headlights and the door handles. Um, everything else is engineered for the purpose. Um, you know, obviously rally cars get quite a hard time, so there's a bit of work that goes into them. But obviously, we're looking forward to taking delivery of it in the, in the coming months. And um, and once we get a hold of it, you know, we, we've got a whole lot of development to do to get the car set up um, for us. And you know, as our team, we feel like we can extract more from the car. Um, so it's going to take a little bit of time and a little bit of testing, but. It's just a process that we all need to go
7: through. Um, reuniting with John Kennard, and of course you two won the WRC Argentinian Rally in 2016. Just for us, Layman, um how important is the synergy between, uh, it feels like a rhetorical question, but the synergy between driver and co-driver or navigator, um, how important is it to get that relationship right?
8: Oh, it's huge! Um, like the amount of trust and faith that we've got to have in each other is, is second to none. Um, you know, we we often joke about that it's that it's like a marriage, and to be honest, it is just like a marriage. And um, you know, we probably had a point now in our relationship. Now we've been uh, together in the car for uh, near on seventeen years, so I guess you could say we're at that part of the marriage where we know each other so well that we can just get on with each other's jobs, and we know what the others thinking or doing, and um,
9: when we're having a good or a
8: bad day. So it just works. And you know, John. For me, the best co-driver in the world. Um, He's even, you know, he may be getting a little bit older now, but he still does an exceptional job. He still enjoys it. He's still motivated for the same reasons as what I am. And um, it just works really
7: well on the car. We occasionally get to hear the comms between driver and navigator sometimes on some of the rally footage. It's all code. I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, Is that the only spoken communication? Do you ever speak back to him or is he just barking at you what's coming up?
8: Oh, if I'm speaking back to him, it probably means that something wrong has happened, <laughs> um, whether it be uh, an accident or making it. Maybe sometimes we, we might make the odd pace note change, but generally during the the uh, the stages, it's, it's just the co-driver speaking. And and when that relationship is working really well, there really isn't a whole lot of talk back from the driver. You know, because the, the co-driver's got the timing spot on; they know exactly when the driver needs the notes. And you know, I can never do what they do because they're doing it based off cycling you know, they're not even looking at the road most of the time so they're sort of judging on where the car is based on what they feel from their backside so it's a, it's a real art um, and uh, yeah as I say George's the best in the business at it so yeah, it made sense to, to carry on that partnership
7: When you have these stages do you get a chance to test them and so you can actually make sure your, your notes are right or do you go off topography maps, how, how do you set your pace notes? Yeah, so before a
8: rally we have either a one or a two
7: pass reconnaissance, so basically that is going out in a road car,
8: um, restricted normally to 80 kilometres an hour, and that reconnaissance is really a chance for us to write pace notes if we don't have previous notes or, or if we have not done that stage before, uh, or to go through and check the pace notes that we may have on record from previous years, and, and that's the only time you get to check it, um, and then the first time that you drive the stage at speed is during the rally, and you know, for me that's half the adrenaline in, in our sport is that you're not doing laps and laps and, and trying to fine tune and get the most out of it. You're trying to drive that road hundred and ten percent the very first time and, you know, definitely creates a few scares and a few moments. But um again, again that's part of the excitement and why we love our sport.
7: What sort of track? What what sort of surfaces do you like? Because there's gravel, there's dirt, there's tar seal, there's these jumps, tight corners, forests, mountains. Uh, there's a they chuck a whole variety at you. Where do you feel like you perform at your best? What sort What sort of course?
8: Yeah, well, here in New Zealand, we grow up on some of the best gravel roads in the world. Um, we often call them gravel highways, which effectively they are compared to a lot of the other stages around the world. And because of that, you know. You know, we definitely excel uh, on gravel, smooth gravel, fast flowing type stages and, and we do see a few rallies around the world like that. Um, but then, you know, some of the rougher stuff I've always quite enjoyed as well, you know, particularly when the roads become very rutted and you get like almost two train tracks in the road and you're just trying to have complete trust and faith that the car will stay on these tracks. Uh, and also, I really enjoy the snow. The snow rallies that we do are a lot of fun. Um, and then, of course, the tarmac another big aspect of rallying as well, which, you know, I think I've improved a lot on over the last coming uh, over the last few years. So, yeah, it's a
7: sport with a bit of everything, and um, that's what keeps it interesting as well. You've had a long relationship with Hyundai, right from WRC and then now into WRC two. Um, longevity with sponsors and partnerships can be hard to come, die, come by. What What's the key to your longevity with Hyundai?
8: Yeah, like the Hyundai New Zealand, obviously the key behind this new program we're doing overseas, season. And that would be massive for us. Um, Even when, uh, unfortunately, we lost our contract in um, 2019 with Hyundai Motorsport, Uh, Hyundai New Zealand stayed right behind us through thick and thin. And, you know, we we always said from the the time we first sat down in 2013 that we wanted to develop a relationship similar to what Possum had with um, his partners. And that was built on loyalty and, and trust and longevity. And, you know, we're trying to do the same with Hyundai. And, you know, for us, it's just about. You know treating our partners with a lot of respect you know we're very lucky to have the partners on board and to do what we do and and we work very very hard behind the scenes to make sure we deliver on on what we can um, what we can do for our partners and you know not 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 only Hyundai New Zealand but you know I think this year we've got some like 24 partners on board and um, and we're working in a very unique way with each and every one of them so it's, it's a massive part of our sport and um, it's an aspect
7: I enjoy as well and we're,
8: we're very lucky to have a lot of very loyal and good partners on board.
7: Now you'll be going into WRC2 which is just just a step underneath the big dogs and I also understand you're not going to make it in time um, to probably be a title contender in WRC2 but a full on assault in 2023. Is 2022 about developing, getting faster, fine tuning the car?
8: Yeah 100% like there's that competitive side of me that would love to go out and and to be able to win this year and, and win straight away but Uh, I've got to be realistic as well. Um, We don't want to be silly about this campaign and and go away and and throw it away into a bull straight away because we're we're trying too hard too early. So we need to, you know, work our way back in. It's been a couple of years since we've been rallying in Europe, so just to get used to the conditions again, we need to develop this new car that we haven't driven before. We need to get our own team up to up to speed. Um, You know, we're obviously taking a lot of our own Kiwi mechanics and engineers, but most of them haven't done rallies in Europe, so. Is a, an aspect of the team we have to learn so this year is what we're targeting to do that, is um to do these selected events to get ourselves up to speed so that comes the start of 23 we're prepared, we're ready and we can actually, you know, put together a full, full assault and win that world championship next year.
7: Will you be racing in rallies and on stages that you've been on before in WRC2?
8: Yep, yep, so a lot of them will be stages that we're done so it was a few years ago but um generally my memory's not too bad. Uh if we're going back to stages that we did back then I can I can normally recall them. Um so that's obviously good knowledge and information and obviously we've still been driving quite a bit in New Zealand over the last couple of years. So, you know, I still feel I'm at my at my peak and at a very good level and um yeah, looking forward to going back and doing some of these rallies at uh, some of the best in the world: uh, Estonia, Finland. Uh, obviously, Rally New Zealand's a, a key part of that program, and we'll look to try and add another one or two events into that as well.
7: You talked about the relationship with uh, John Kennard. Um It's sort of like a marriage. I'd, I'd guess it, it's uh, a bit like a marriage too. You and the car, getting to know the car. Um, how how many idiosyncrasies do different cars have?
8: Uh, yeah, obviously, every car is unique. Um, you know, the, the the thing I love about the sport is that when you become so at one and and after so many years of building experience, and you know, that's why rallying, you know, you, you find a lot of drivers come into their peaks in their mid to late 30s. Um, you know, you even look at Sebastian Loeb, who won a WIC rally last month and he was 48. And the beauty of rallying is that so much experience is built up over time that when you get in the car, you sort of subconsciously drive the car. And that's the same even when you go from car to car. You, you put on a helmet and after the first two corners, you work out what the car does and doesn't do and you adjust to it um, very quickly. So, yeah, it's, it's an an aspect of our sport where you have to be adaptable and, and not just even the cars, but even the, the stages and the conditions. You know, the, from corner to corner, the, the grip's always changing or the road's changing from weather or the cars in front of you pulling rocks out or whatever it may be. And you just have to be constantly adapting to what's in front of you.
7: Brilliant. Well, uh, Hayden, when can we look forward to maybe your first race in earnest after you've managed to get some practice runs in, done a few tweaks? What Have you got a target? Have you got a definite uh, rally that you're going to be commencing in?
8: Uh, yes, yeah, so our WRC2 programme this year will start with Rally Estonia, uh, which is the uh, start of July. Um, in the meantime, we're obviously we're, we're still waiting on the car to be built in Germany. Um, in the meantime, we're we're starting it here in New Zealand, so we've got our own being near this hill climb this weekend actually, and then we start with the New Zealand Rally Championship with Rally Otago and Rally Whangarei in or May. So, yeah, pretty busy season ahead for us.
7: Awesome, Hayden. Well, thanks for taking time to chat to us today. Uh, a lot of people follow you uh, not only in New Zealand but around the world. We wish you well in this magnificent-looking, sleek, simple. But fast-looking black Hyundai, Uh, go well, and we'll stay in touch. Great. Thanks so much. And someone texted in and said, that's my hero because he allowed me to find fitness, which is really cool, from South Auckland. Now, our guest um, yesterday was Mateo Vaihu, and he is a bodybuilder. And in his interview yesterday, he said this. Is is it yeah. true that sometimes you have like a high-fat meal or or intake something just before you go out which makes your veins pop out and all that sort of stuff? What's the last thing you consume before you go out for your pose down?
10: On the day of the show, I had the best breakfast and lunch. We go and eat everything, whatever we can eat, <laughs> the cafe, uh, we have crumble eggs, uh, bacon, we even have salmon for breakfast. Potatoes, uh, toast, and butter, and, <laughs> and then, yeah, every every uh, even ice cream. <laughs> even ice cream on the day of the show for breakfast. And then before the show, I'll have a big fat burger with fries. I remember uh, back in 20, 2015 at our national here, I was walking around eating a, a burger from Burger King. And everybody was just sitting there with their mouth open watching me eating. <laughs> <laughs> and they were asking, oh, are you
7: allowed to eat in this? So, of course. So, big fan of Burger King, and he joins us again two days in a row. Matteo, welcome in, mate. Uh, that chat yesterday, one of the people that you've trained and taken him from fatness to fitness has nominated you as their local hero for showing them that everything is possible. Um, and the good folk at Burger King sponsor a spot each week, and we give a local hero $40 worth of Burger King vouchers. You're getting them this week.
11: Thank you very much.
7: <laughs> so will you save them for a show, do you think, and walk in with $40 worth of whoppers? <laughs>
11: <laughs> I, can't need I can't wait to have that. I wait to have that. What's
7: your favourite burger from Burger King?
10: Um, I normally catch a triple whopper, because it's massive.
7: That's awesome, mate. Hey, well, on yeah. behalf of um, the, the listener that was listening to you and said, that's the guy that helped me find fitness, that in his eyes makes you his local hero. That must make, make you feel pretty good.
10: Yes, yes. Uh, it makes me so proud of all of them too. I have a few boys, uh, a lot of them, and ladies. I have helped them with their fitness, and I'm, I'm, to be honest, I'm very proud of all of them.
7: That's brilliant mate and we're proud of you Um, we had a lot of feedback from having you on the show about how disciplined and what a good rooster you are so it's with great delight we tell you that $40 of BK Burger Bucks are coming your way it's probably one meal for you, some families it's a couple but (laughs) I'm just imagining you ripping into those triple stacked BK Whoppers mate, Uh, well done buddy and thanks for joining us at short notice today
11: Thank you again
7: Yes, there he is, Mateo Vaihu. If you want to listen to that chat we had with him, it was fascinating, actually, inside the mind and the life of a full-time, very successful bodybuilder. It's not everyone's cup of tea, but I always applaud their discipline, uh, their commitment to their craft. And if you do listen back, it's on the SENZ app, on the podcasts in the afternoons with Staffy One, uh, Mateo Vaihu, just, uh, it was a very, very enlightening one, as was the chat with Hayden Patton. How good to have him back on the on the circuit. It's the step just under the World Rally Championship, but it's exciting. And I don't know, I saw on the news, as I mentioned to him, the car. It's not the actual car he's going to be driving. That one's over in, um, in Germany, um, but it just looks good. You know, New Zealand sheeny black um and sorry uh tony i didn't ask the question you asked me to ask hayden that's because i'd logged into the wrong text machine i was in my own one and the text came into smithy's one so i apologize saying can you please ask hayden how developments going on his electric car that he had and oops he had an oops in at the ridge a year or so ago yeah sorry i didn't i didn't see that till after the interview so sorry Tony but do thanks for texting in Um, shortly the news but first another text come in hi Staffy I think I found a power play bet in tonight's rugby Moana Pacifica versus Crusaders 8 plus points to be scored in the last 10 minutes and it's paying 250 I'm on so I don't care if the price drops cheers Carl I tell you what that's just a converted try and something else in 10 minutes, a tiring Moana Pacifica Ooh, that does look good to me Carl well spotted, well spotted I will endorse, I will endorse your hot tip, I will endorse the news too because Emma Olsen puts in the hard work giving us the new sport and weather and that's coming up now (laughs) Uh, We're counting down the top 40 night and day sponsored sports songs. You voted for them all through February. We are down to the top eight, and I am looking forward to these. This one you might recognise if you've been to live events involving the All Blacks. Oh, Yourself yeah, well, up with a little bit of shapeshifter duchies. It's a bit of a theme song for the run home, actually. So you're probably used to hearing it on there. Uh, that got so many votes; it forced its way into the top ten, in at number eight. Now, one for potentially our more senior listeners, um, but very well associated with the ball Code. When you walk
6: through a star. Hold your head up the pie and don't be afraid of the dark. At the end of a storm, there's a golden the sky sweet silence song of love oh, oh, oh. walk on
7: here it comes building up the wind. wave your arms
6: walk on
7: The iPhone torch. And go again. I think we do.
1: Up you go Jerry. Walk up, walk up
6: with hope in your heart and you'll never.
7: Oh Jerry and the pacemakers. There'll be some football fans out there. Tears rolling down their cheeks with emotion. That is number seven. We are encroaching. We're getting all the way to number one today, which will play out probably just after one o'clock. We are building up to the cricket, New Zealand versus West Indies. In game one of the Women's Cricket World Cup, we'll have a quick break now. And on the other side of that, we're going to be talking the massive match-up at UFC this Sunday with our great mate, Brad Lewis. On SCNZ. Yeah, Staffy sitting in for Smithy, and um, we're going through to 125 when we hand over to the uh, commentary team uh, for the first game, New Zealand versus the West Indies in the Women's Cricket World Cup, but there is a massive UFC card on UFC 272, and it starts by my reckoning about midday New Zealand time, but the man that will tell me the absolute correct time of... It's not kickoff in UFC, let's call it it's
11: punch-off. What time is punch-off Brad Lewis on Sunday? 2pm uh, for the main card staff, uh, which of course you can get on Spark and Sky Arena, So, uh, all, and this is a good card to get with um, with some real heat at the top of it, so uh. would uh, I think this card could be a sleeper, a lot of people are sort of criticising it that it's pop heavy but if I look down the card there's some really, really interesting matchups on there and I'm really looking forward to it.
7: Yeah, I want to go straight to one of the early prelims and whenever I see the name that I really struggle to pronounce but publicly I'll give it a go. He is Umar Nurmagomedov. I, I never get it right. Is he related?
11: Uh, there is a, there's one Nurmagomedov that isn't related to Khabib uh, i I believe that Umar is Habib's brother, so uh, there is another there is another Nurmagomedov that has no relation. But I am ninety nine percent positive that Umar is is Habib's brother or cousin. So yeah, he is um, he is related.
7: And he's thirteen and oh, I don't know if you've I've never seen him, never seen him go. Is he good?
11: Yeah, uh, he's very good. He's uh, he's I mean, <laughs> he's got a name like Nurmagomedov. I know it's just And you're scary. from <laughs> like it's um and, and mate uh you know those sort of eastern european um and particular russian and Dag- Dagestani uh mma fighters and specifically in men's mixed martial arts they are the future and there's a lot of them coming through uh you know look at at least like for instance uh who's a future challenger for the U and probably a future lightweight champion just quietly but uh yeah, uh, they they are the future. Um, Habib has set the groundwork, and uh, and you know there's a there's a couple in the light heavyweight division. There's um, Hamzet Chemayev who's um, who's who could be a challenger for Israel in the future. There is there is a lot of these Russian uh, and Eastern European fighters coming through that are, are going to dominate the sport for years to come. Um,
7: in the prelims it, it's a guy I always look out for uh, Edson Barbosa because whenever I hear his name I just remember that kickathon against dan hooker um, 22 mm. and ten not an amazing record but when he's on he's on so what can you tell me about his opponent Bryce Mitchell
11: I love Bryce Mitchell's staff and one thing to look out for with Mitchell is his shorts he uh, he's, he's from uh, from arkansas and, and he's a he's a hunter um, and <laughs> A thug Nasty is his nickname, got a great nickname, but he's got camouflage shorts that Venom have produced for him. Uh it's he's I think he's the only guy that's not a champ with customized shorts uh in, in the uh in the UFC. So uh look out for those. A phenomenal fighter on the ground. If Edson can keep this fight standing then Mitchell doesn't have a chance. Like Edson's that good on the feet and Bryce's um sort of standing game is not is not at a at a at a, an elite level. But if he can get the fight to the floor, he has a huge advantage in this fight. He is so good. Uh, he's a tremendous grappler. Uh, you know, went through the ultimate fighter and grappled his way to that. Uh, has had a couple of tricky fights in the UFC, but his grappling's pulled, pulled him through. Uh, the Charles Rosa fight completely dominated Charles Rosa in his last fight against Andre Philly. He was dominated on the feet but won all of the grappling exchanges to eke out a decision in that one. Um, but as I said, if Edson can keep the fight standing, I can certainly see him getting a knockout. But on the flip side of that, uh, Mitchell's certainly capable of getting a submission over a guy like Barbosa, who's a good grappler, but Mitchell's top game is elite.
7: Right, I've got left a good three and a half minutes to talk about the big one. Now, can you walk us mm-hmm. through these two guys, <laughs> Masvidal Covington, Um Used to be best mates, used to be training partners, and now there's probably not two people on the planet that dislike each other as much. What happened?
11: Look, man, this is almost like the classic wrestling storyline of Hulk Hogan and Macho Man from WrestleMania Five, right? Like when the (laughs) Mega Powers exploded. Like these two guys were boys. They lived together. They trained together. They were as tight as tight could be. And then, uh, sort of a trigger hit with Colby when he started on his win streak. When he won like uh, eight or nine fights in a row, and you know, he sort of transitioned into this pro wrestling type character and started to believe in his own hype. And um, you know, was was making a name for himself in the mold of Conor McGregor and. He won the interim title and then kind of turned his back a little bit on his teammates and, and on his team. And then he, he had the, the feud with, with Kamara Usman as well. And, and, uh, yeah, it just, and sort of left Jorge to the side. And, uh, yeah, um, there's some legitimate beef here. Um, Colby, former American top teams, was a captain of the American top team team, uh, out of Florida in the U.S. Masvidal was a big part of that team and is still a big part of that team. Uh, and, and yeah, the, the beef is real, uh, to the point where, you know, like if you've seen any of the stuff this week, uh, you know, no beef will be squashed at the end of this bout. In fact, there's talk that it could carry on into the dressing rooms <laughs> after the fight's over. But in terms of a matchup, I got Colby winning this fairly easily. Is it true?
7: I heard a while ago that Colby Carvington, Dana White went to Colby Covington and said, "Yeah, you're a reasonable fighter, but you need you need a hook. You need something." Um, Mm -hmm. to make you more marketable so he turned he started wearing the MAGA hats he started became mates with uh, President Trump's son Um, Donald Trump would ring him after his victories and they'd play they'd play the phone call off his speakerphone on UFC TV so he's probably got himself offside with a lot of people but he he's become um, a big tick for marketing I guess
11: yeah, absolutely. What what's really interesting about that though staff is that Jorge Martdal is actually a very good friend of Donald Trump's.
3: Oh. So like, <laughs> Jeez. um they,
11: they have they have a relationship as well. is very, very pro Trump. He's very uh he's been very outright in those stunts before Colby was. Uh, but yeah, Covington absolutely, uh, pro Trump all the way, MAG hat he's sort of whereas Jorge's been himself the whole time, right? He is who he is. He's he's you know, he's the uh, the street fighter, the, the backyard the the former backyard MMA fighter who's turned himself into one of the top ten superstars in the world of MMA, um, off that uh six second knockout of Ben Askren. Uh and, and yeah, Colby is, is more manufactured in his own right. You know, he's he's got that Ric Flair fling persona where he's got uh, you know, two ladies by his side whenever he's doing interviews. He he travels in the limousines, he rides private jets all that sort of stuff. He's, he's really... And before that, he wasn't an, a very exciting fighter. He was a, a ground-and-pound fighter, you know, in the mold of a Tito Ortiz from, from earlier years of UFC. Uh, but he's changed his style. He's much more aggressive. He had two phenomenal fights with Kamaru Usman, who's arguably the best fighter on the planet right now. And Colby is, is within a hair of being as good as Kamaru. Uh, and and yeah, I, can, I, just, I just see him... When, when, it, when push comes to, to shove, Colby has way more ways to win this fight. He's good enough on the feet. Jorge's fantastic on the feet, but as Kamari showed, if you can get him to the ground, uh, you can dominate him down there.
7: Brilliant. Brad Lewis, always enjoy your insights. Thanks, mate. Enjoy Sunday. I know you will. Thanks, Daph. Anytime, mate. There he is, Brad Lewis. Uh, well, just our favourite little... UFC analyst. We'll take a break on the other side. We're catching up with uh, a couple of racing gurus uh, Mark Claydon, Claydo uh, who hosts shows on Saturday and loves giving tips so you want to hear those and we're going to cross with the TRB and talk to Pip Morris. That's after the break.
12: Racing.nz, racing's biggest fan. <laughs>
7: Here we go with our Love Racing update, and it's with Clado, Mark Clayton, uh, host of The Good Oil. Clado, you know what I like about you, Clado? You're not afraid to just chuck out a horse. Here's my tip. I'll live or die by my tip. I respect that about you. Oh, thanks, Steph. Yeah,
10: we'll go back to rock my heart, Dave. He's looking through the norms waiting for him to line up again. He's a <laughs> nice
7: little horse, that, but uh, yeah. Yeah you got it, do not you? Thank yeah. you, judgment. Yes, <laughs> fantastic. Uh, your show tomorrow, um, who have you got in the studio, keeping you honest?
10: Well, with the sales kicking off on Monday, we're going to take a slightly different tack, but a man who's fully immersed in racing, that's Andrew Stewart, and he's uh, he's editor in charge of Aryan Pedigrees. The books, you know, the Catalog books is in charge of all that and all the pedigree pages, and boy, what he doesn't know about size. It's not worth knowing and you can throw anything at Andrew and he'll tell you the sire and the sire's sire and, and you have to tell him to shut up after a while because he knows that much going back through the families. But great information, great knowledge and great to have him on with the sales kicking off. This is the last weekend for all those up and coming sires yeah, to kick another goal and put another few zeros on that sale price.
7: Yeah, absolutely. And tomorrow we've got Ellerslie and Wingatui. Any race in particular looking forward to?
10: Oh, the Derby, the million-dollar Group One Derby tomorrow, and gee, it's got everything. There's one filly taking on the twelve boys, Lark Creek, and not only is she the only filly, she's odds-on. She's a dollar eighty to pick the boys up and drop them. And boy, she's been so impressive on the way through. She won the Avondale Guineas, and you thought, gee, she's going to be hard to beat in the Derby. And then Pinarello come out the old firm, Vinnie Colgan for Roger James, took out the last year, thought, well, there's your derby chance. And <laughs> boy, it all happened. Grills, he was suspended. And Vinnie, within 24 hours, had jumped back onto La Creek. He, he has ridden before, so that's the biggest vote of confidence you could ever get.
7: Is it just an arm wrestle between La Creek and Pinarello, or is there something else that um, would surprise, oh. but not a massive surprise? You know, a horse like Tutakaka, something like that.
10: Yeah, well, he was disappointed in the Avondale Guineas, but he's, he's, got the, he's got the miles on the board. He went around in the VRC derby. You can't discount him. Look, I've got a real soft spot for RJ's flight. Um gee, he's still a maiden, but, man, he's been going really good races. He's placed in the Avondale Guineas, and a great story behind him, great family, the Coxon family, you know, RJ, Richard Coxon, his initials, and, of course, he had Desert Flight and Last Flight, and now RJ's flight. So... Point out here, wouldn't be a dry eye in the place if RJ Slyke could get up, and you can't discount the old firm, Murray Baker, Andrew Forsman, and they've got two in it, and White Noise has been going really, really good races, and Ryan Elliott, Ryan Elliott he's just having a run at the moment too, especially with some comes to the group
7: ones. Brilliant, Clado! Thanks for joining us, buddy. Look forward to tuning in on Saturday to listen to Clado and the uh, oil We're going to go to the TAB very shortly. We're just trying to get Pip. Um, so thanks, Clayto. Uh Pip's coming back. Gosh, we're going to have about one minute. She better have some absolutely solid information for us. She, she knows her hounds, actually. She know, knows her greyhounds very well. Pip Morris from the TAB. We've only got 60 seconds, mate. Your phone dropped off, but you're back.
12: I am back. Good morning to you. And yes, we've only got 60 seconds, so i better uh, get through it really quickly. Auckland, Cup for the Greyhounds on Sunday and the railway. Really looking forward to that. And a pilot superstar has been one of the best backs, closely followed by Calbingo. Of course, the Group 1 derby at Ellerslie over the weekend as well, with La Creek... Uh, obviously has had the most wagered on her, but quite a high bet count on White Noise, even at around nines and two forty Some really nice power plays around that race too, including one of them, La Creek to win. White Noise top four at four dollars. Another really good option, La Creek top two, Pinarello top three, and White Noise top four at five fifty. So plenty to look forward to, including three group ones across the Tasman as well for the Saturday.
7: Big old weekend for greyhounds. Thanks, Pip. Sorry we didn't have a bit longer. Enjoy your weekend. This is Pip Morris from the TRB. We've got news with Emma now.
4: From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
7: Yeah, sort of not Ian Smith. Mark Stafford in the chair today for Smithy, who's uh, rolling up his sleeves getting his mic sock, putting it on the implement and getting ready to uh, roar through the Women's Cricket World Cup as we are ball by ball from, uh, I keep forgetting the time, One we we're going to be handing over to our fantastic commentary crew. We've got something a little bit different now. Uh, Peter Ferguson. When I hear the name Peter Ferguson, I think, oh, he's a legend in harness racing. Um, He's into greyhound racing too. And until this morning, I didn't know that. Uh, Peter Ferguson joins the show now. G'day, Peter. Yeah, how that? you going, Steph, all right? Oh, I'm good, mate, I'm good. Um, greyhound racing, how long have you been dabbling in that?
13: Um, probably, I don't know, it might be four years now, I think, four or five years, maybe.
7: Fantastic. I'd, I'd imagine dogs are much better behaved and less cantankerous than horses.
13: Yeah, well, it's less injury rate, you don't get kicked. <laughs> you might get a little nip every now and then, but, um, yeah, that's, um, you're dealing with a slightly smaller animal, so it's, uh, it is a little bit more pleasurable than getting knocked around.
7: And they don't eat as much either. The food bill must be much lower.
13: Yeah, the food bill is a lot lower, that's for sure. So, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that, that does help as well.
7: Um, you've got three dogs in at Monaco on Sunday, race four, number one. Just talk us through the, the characteristics of these dogs and perhaps their chances. You think they've got race four, drawn? the one box pan edition.
13: Yeah, oh, she's mad.
7: Um, <laughs> I I wanna back it already.
13: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she's 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 uh actually, she's part owned by Luke Whittaker. And if any of you ever know Luke for he's a harness racing driver. He's now based himself in Queensland, but he's a little bit A D D and, and out there as well and so there's <laughs> it's, it's quite apt that Luke's got a share in it actually. So um it's uh she's a little bit like that as well. But uh yeah, no, she's um She's she's been just back from a little small toe injury And um, she ran third last start First fresh up So um, we sort of saved her for this race So we could make sure we get a start And um, yeah, come up with a one box So, uh, you know She's normally a good beginner So um, I think she's, she's probably a real good
9: chance
7: Uh, Into race 7, you've got uh, the 6th draw I always back the 6th draw because they wear a green rug And I'm two through and through So my my eyes tune into them Pedro Lee had a couple of good wins uh, Backed up last start with a 6th Dogwell Yeah,
13: he's good Um, Auckland doesn't really suit him If you have a look at his track stats They're not really that great And saying that he's only ever lined up up there When it's been good races. So, um, yeah, he, he didn't have much luck in the heats for the Auckland Cup. But, I mean, when it's an 80 grand final, you've got to have a crack. Um, so, yeah, it, it doesn't necessarily suit him in Auckland. He can be a stride slow and then you end up getting in a little bit of trouble. He's, he's far better suited at Cambridge. So, um, yeah, he's just going to be in the lap of the gods. And if he, you know, as long as he gets around safely and pulls up good, that'll be a win for me.
7: So I've always wanted to ask someone this, and you're going to be it. The difference in tracks, there's not, there's not a heap of greyhound tracks around the country. Why do some tracks suit some dogs and others? Is it the tightness of the corner, the length of the straight? What is it?
13: Oh, both of those things. Um, you've either got a one-turn track or a two-turn track, so obviously they've all got two turns and two straights, but um, you know the middle distance races at Cambridge start at the end of the back straight, and you've got a hell of a long run to that first corner, so you can be astride slow and if you're good enough you can make it up and, and get to that corner first whereas auckland um t- tied a smaller track the five hundred that's only you know ninety meters to the first corner and or or less um so if you are astride slow, it's a lot less time to make the ground up and um I went to a an annual conference once, and a guy from Melbourne who's done you know they do this they're more professional over there and they get you the stats and all those sorts of things they have. And they said a dog, you know, hit their top speed at, after about 80 or 90 metres. Well, after 80 or 90 metres is a bend, <laughs> and that, that's uh, so. If you're not up there, it's 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 hard work. So um, you know, where as I say, on the two turn tracks like Menor, Two Cambridge and uh, you get a lot bigger run to that first corner. So um, you know, those dogs that are a bit stride slow but still are, have a lot of ability can make that up. You know.
7: Now, Pedro Lee, you've you've mentioned hasn't got great great track stats, but in race nine you've got number one romantic dancer. Um, good track stats, uh fifteen times there for five wins and three placings, and you've got box one and it's two from two in box one. Um can I suggest potentially your best chance of the day? No. Oh, it's first up from a break. Not ready, is it?
13: Yeah, yeah. These, um She's as good as we can get her. She she had a um, back muscle injury, um, and I've probably um, been the per- sort of person I am, I tend to take longer than shorter to get them back, and been a bit over cautious probably. But um, she's back and she's well, and she's trialing really well. Um, but she's you know she's as good as I can get her without having a race hard and, and race fit. She's only been trialing on her own sort of thing. So um, I was wrapped with when she got box one because I think that'll really help her, and she does begin well. So if there's any sort of trouble um, in the race, she'll take advantage of that. But um, she always, when I've had her in the past, she's always been better with a few runs under her belt. But, um, you know, at a price, I wouldn't put you off back in her. But, um, you know, I'll I'll be happy if she, um, you know, just gives a good account of herself and stays out of trouble.
7: Tell me about the personality of these dogs. Um, it's a little bit loaded because I have seen them away from the track. I actually went to Hutt Park uh, Greyhounds years ago and watched these dogs go around. They said, come and meet the dogs, and I thought they are going to be really highly strung. Is the only time they get wound up uh, in that sort of five minutes from the stir-up to the race and then they come back. They're just so lovely away from racing.
13: Oh, they are, um... You know, yeah, as I say, like they've all got their own personalities, the same with horses, same with people. I mean, some people you you know, you you probably wouldn't be happy with either, but and some dogs are the same, but <laughs> the um the, you know, they've all got their own personality. As I say, like that Pan Edition, she's really wound and she comes out and she's excitable at any time of the day. Um, and then you get the other ones that, you know, they're flat getting out of their own way and don't even want to get out of their bed, you know. Um and but they're all they're, they're lovely dogs to deal with. I mean, um my granddaughter's two and a half, and she goes in the kennel and plays with them, and we let them run around the paddock and she's throwing the ball to them and (laughs) stuff like that. They're actually very, very placid dogs. Um, And they just, but um, they love to run and they love to chase things. So, um, that's just their breed and and, and what what they do.
7: Now, now your kids are into racing as well. Um, How involved are they?
13: Uh, My son, Dylan, he um, he's in partnership with Graham Rogerson and Harness. Um, Everyone that comes to this property he's got a greyhound license so then if i need a hand so that's just a given (laughs) um but um yeah my son he's in the harness um and he's in partnership with graham Rogerson. he's he's had a great run and he's been he's been doing really well he's he's sort of lived and breathed it since the time he was um could walk you know he was um running around the house with a whip and chasing things and riding either riding his rocking horse or had a cart behind the rocking horse depending on what was on the tv um, but my daughter, she's, um, she's actually getting married next weekend, so that's really good. Uh, but she's actually into little kids in a good way. She's, um, she's an early childhood teacher, which um, if you, you know, see the way the world's going, there's, there's good money in early childhood teaching, that's for sure. So um, she's right into that. She's never really been into the horse as much or, or the racing as such, but um, all she knows is that it pays the bills.
7: Yeah, fair enough. Talking to Peter Ferguson. Finally, Peter, what gives you the biggest thrills now? Is it driving winners, training training horses, training dogs? What's something that makes you think, I've had a good day?
13: Oh, I think, I think anyone's good stuff, whether it's a maiden greyhound race at Cambridge or, um, or a group one race at, at the Trotts at Alexander Park. I mean, a lot of planning goes into all those sort of things for, for everyone, but um, I, I still enjoy winning. I I still love driving, and I still love the the people. Um, And um, you know, it's 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 always good when a plan comes together. But obviously, when you get a bit older and your kids are successful, and um, you know, you you get a big buzz out of out of them having an achievement or a success um, as well. So um, you know, I still enjoy racing. I, I I've got out of the administrative side of things, if you like, because it gets a bit frustrating as you get older, and, and times change, so, um, but yeah, it's. Uh, I still enjoy the actual race itself, and being involved in the competitiveness, as I say, any, any win's good, and I mean, obviously, if you win a, you know, a big race, like I did with Magic 4 the other night at Auckland, I mean, um, Reed man and myself have had a big, big association over many years with good horses like Gold Ace, and so to get back on one of his, and, and win a group, uh, well, it wasn't a group race, but a, a big race, the Harness Millions race, um yeah, that was a big buzz, and you know, it's as I say, every, every race is a plan to get the horse or dog there. So if it comes off, then that's where your satisfaction comes from.
7: Oh, well, brilliant, Pete. You probably don't know this, but my late grandmother passed away probably six, seven years ago. Every week, for as long as I can remember, just had one each way on every Peter Ferguson drive. Uh, you were a pretty special <laughs> driver to her, and she always rang me on the Saturday morning and said how she went. So uh, thank you for keeping her entertained for well over a decade uh, in, in the driving stakes. It was really cool. Oh, no, that's
13: good good goal, mate. I mean, there's a lot of people like that in the industry and um, a lot of older people that, you know, I've travelled the country long and long and hard for many years um, when I focused solely on driving, and um, a lot of amazing people, great people, and um, great harness people, and racing people, and, and um, soul of the earth. It's just, uh, yeah, unfortunately, the modern world we we tend to lose them a little bit, but um, yeah, there's still some really amazing people out there that, as you say. Like your grandmother has a dollar each way. It's, there's a lot of people like that, and
7: um, so it's, it's
13: that that gives you actually a buzz when you hear those stories. To be mm. honest with you, you know they, that that they, that actually gives you a good feel, the furry feeling.
7: Yeah, good on you, Pete. Lovely to catch up with you, yep. buddy.
13: All good, mate. Take it easy.
7: There is Peter Ferguson, wonderful history in harness racing, and um, dipping his fingers into greyhounds too, which is pretty awesome. Um, sad news for Boreham Wood fans; they've gone down to Everton, but. There must have been a goal right at the end. Um, Where is that second goal? I can't find it. But yeah, they were 1-0 for for quite a long time. But listen to these stats. Listen to these stats. Everton shots, 23. Shots on goal, 10. Boreham Wood, shots, 1. Shots on goal, none. They had one shot and it wasn't on target. Possession, 80% Everton, 20% Boreham Wood, but what a journey for that. Amateur team taking on a Premier League side and as a final note, tip my hat to Everton. They paid for the alternate strip that Boreham Wood played in, an all-black strip and Everton funded a whole new strip for them to play this uh, momentous um, knockout game. Fifth round of the FA Cup, Boreham Wood. I salute you, I salute you We are going to take a break On the other side of the break You will definitely want to listen to this Possibly the youngest ever guest Interviewed on SENZ Louis Sharp, 14 year old Motorsport phenom He is after the break
4: The voice of sport in Aotearoa This is Mornings with Ian Smith On SENZ
7: Well, potentially our youngest ever sports person guest on the show. He's even younger than Nico Porteus was when he first started skiing. His name's Louis Sharp, and he's a name we all have to keep on our radar because, boy, has he progressed fast. Uh, Louis joins the show. Motor racing driver now, Louis. At, uh, t- just remind us how old you are at the moment. I am 14. I
14: um, turned 15 later on this year, but, at, yeah, currently fourteen.
7: Now, mate, motor racing—it's um, a—it's a massive worldwide sport, um, and you talk to it reasonably young. So, just give us a little bit of a background. Um, I guess, like every motor racing person, karting—is that where you started?
14: Yep. Yeah. So, um, started karting at the age of six, and um, yeah, race race karting heaps. Um, we went, went over to went over to Europe and did a bit over there. Um, raced in Australia, but mainly mainly just in around New Zealand. And then about a year and a half ago I um I made the made the step up into cars. So um last season driving Formula V and then now this season I um, made the made the step uh, to Formula Ford which is yeah, going great.
7: Um. We've chatted to Shane Van Gisbergen, uh, Scotty McLaughlin, even Scott Dixon. All of them start in carts. How important is the carting background? Do you think so? When you're looking back now from that six, seven, eight-year-old, and now you're in these open wheelers, as you look back, and you don't have to look back far, how important is what you learn in carting to take to the bigger tracks, the bigger cars?
14: Um, you definitely. It's very good for learning all the basics. You learn the just the the dynamics of how a how a car or a go kart or what a, a race car even works. Um, I guess you learn that race craft that you need to um, carry through. But you also learn just I guess you learn to um, like I guess cope with the speed because I mean I mean go karts um they're not as fast as a race car but they still go pretty quick. But um yeah just getting that um that racing experience because you can do it from a pretty young age. Um, whereas if you would start in cars. Uh, sorry, in cars you would um yeah you can start from a much younger age, which means by the time you actually make the step up into a car, you've already got I guess six or seven years of experience in go karting.
7: So when you, what was the first open wheel car that you jumped into? The can you remember the very first time you had a, a race at speed or a test at speed that wasn't a cart? What was what what was the vehicle and what was it like?
14: Yeah, so the first time was in a Formula First or Formula V, sorry, up in um, Manfield for the Manfield Winter Series, and it, it's um yeah it's um I, I still remember it. it was a lot of fun. It was I yeah I still remember the day and I still look back on it and how much how good it was. Um, yeah, it definitely it definitely was a bit different to karting and it did take a little bit of time to adapt, but um I guess just the speed and the um I guess just the how good the racing is in car racing. It's, um, yeah, it's
7: pretty hard to see. And then the last two years, I guess from sort of when you're 11, 12 to now, you've tested and you've driven and you've raced in a whole heap of different cars. Um, I'm not completely up to speed with the different types of cars. I mean, you've been in a Formula 4, you've tested in Formula 3, Fabian Coulthard said, "You're awesome. Um, how do you manage? Uh, which car is the best for you? Like so you're saying, you're currently in Formula Ford, is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Okay, so the natural progression. What, what what do you think? Will you be doing a year in that? Another year in that? How do you map out your future? Yeah, so I guess
14: the next the next step from here is. Um, thankfully enough, um, we've now got the support from um, David and Emma at Roden Cars." So the the plan for this year is to head over to England and race in British Formula 4. So, um, Although, actually, I've never raced a Formula 4 or driven a Formula 4 car, um, I guess, luckily enough, I've um, I've been up to Odin and I've driven in the S3 car and also the s recently. So I've got that experience in a fast, um, open-wheel car with with good downforce. So I think that's definitely going to help me to um, go over to Europe and make the next step
7: in my career. So what's the difference between, for us, motor racing dummies, what's the difference between Formula 4 and Formula 3? Um, so I guess Formula 4 is
14: just a little bit less downforce, a little bit slower down the straight, and just a, overall just a slightly slower car in um, every kind of aspect. So they're a bit easier to drive, and also they're it means you can do it at a younger age. Because although I'm actually still not old enough to um, even race Formula 4... um. You can do that at fifteen. So when I turn fifteen, I'll be able to race that.
7: Fantastic! And do you see when when you're driving? What do you love the most? Do you like the do you like the flat out speed of the long straights, or do you like the technicality of picking the right lines and late braking and all that sort of thing? What 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 gives you the most joy?
14: I think just the the more technical side of it, especially when you're um when you're like racing next to a car wheel uh, wheel to wheel. Just that, just the ad- adrenaline rush and that thrill you get from doing it. I mean, I, I love the speed, but um, I think the speed is something that you adapt to pretty quickly and then after a while you don't really notice it as much. So that's why I really love that technical side of it.
7: Brilliant. That's just brilliant. Now, on your, pa- on your way through, how important is it for a driver... Uh, to understand the mechanics because you're quite often, you know, I watch the Drive to Survive and I watch the Formula One and Indy cars and supercars and the drivers are in tune and they're just saying, I think the back left suspension needs a bit of a tweak or um, I feel like this component in the engine is is not quite firing. Is that something you actively participate in? Yeah, it's
14: definitely something that um, if you are able to understand the car and understand what you need to do to make it to go better, it's definitely something that can give you a big advantage. I mean, you could be, I mean, a lot of people, like, know there's something wrong, but they can't actually tell what or they don't give the correct feedback to um, the engineers to be able to decide what. So if you can actually get in tune with the car and I understand it a bit better, um, when, you do, when, when something is not right or you do need something changed, it definitely gives a big advantage if you're able to actually spot it out and um, give the correct feedback to fix it.
7: Now it must have been exciting for you when you earned selection into that academy as one of the world 's most promising talents you were hand picked as we mentioned earlier, Fabian Coulthard and shell V power racing uh, for the young driver scholarship. what does that involve
14: um yes yeah, so um, of course i'm very thankful about it all I've, um, i'm lucky enough i've been accepted into a few different few different stuff like that at the past, but I guess especially the um the FIA Academy over in um, Europe um, for when I was still racing go karting, um, getting selected into something like that is um uh, that's very meaningful to me because I guess it just proves that um that I I am I am um I am like on that same level as the as the um I guess drivers my age over and over in Europe and it does show that I've actually well hopefully got what it takes to go all the way and make it to Formula One.
7: So do you, is it gonna get um. I sort of think of the big base of drivers that will be your age around the world. Um, you're climbing up that pyramid. Does it get more cutthroat? Does it get more competitive as you climb up that ladder? Yeah, definitely. The um, Every formula you progress through, it,
14: gets more, um, it definitely gets more demanding, not only like because, of course, the level of drivers will be a lot a lot better, but also it gets more demanding on yourself because the cars become faster, they become harder to drive. So it's definitely, um, it's definitely a sport where um, if you're not if you're not winning or you're not doing well, it's definitely a sport where um, I don't know. I guess it, it, it yeah, it does get very demanding.
7: Yeah, and you can get spat out the back, can't you? You need that um, continual rate of progression. Um, we're talking to Louis Sharp. He's one of our rising motor racing drivers. Why do you think? Why do you think on the world stage is this, um, I, I reckon per capita New Zealand, we just go so well in motorsport. Um, we get opportunities and we take them. And, I, and I've mentioned some drivers around the world and then the V8s and then the open wheelers as well. We, we saw Brendan Hartley get a crack at Formula One. Why or what makes New Zealand special?
14: I, I'm, I'm not sure. I think considering how small of a country we are, we definitely do have a lot of very good talent currently, but also in the past. I think, I think what makes us so special is the, the racing or the racing series where um, well, I guess we've got here in New Zealand. Like the likes of Formula Ford or go-karting in New Zealand is very strong. And then you've also got the series like the Toyota Racing Series, which is, which is a New Zealand-based series. So you get all, all sorts of very young um, and also very good drivers all over the world come and do that. So I think we're lucky enough that in New Zealand. We, have, um, we do have very good um, racing available to us.
7: And we've got good mentors, haven't we? I mean, I'd imagine um, you've touched base with people like Kenny Smith, who's just an absolute legend of motor racing in New Zealand. It's a really good community here, isn't it?
14: Yeah, um, it, cause especially because we are a small community. Everyone knows each other and everyone gets along. And the likes of Kenny Smith and also like Faden Coulthard uh, it's great to have people like that. But also, I like, guess, like Liam Lawson, if you look at him, he's in Formula 2 at the moment. Um, it's great having someone like that just in, the, in our sport because it shows what you need to do to get to that level. And having someone like him, uh, you can, I guess you can look at him and see everything that he's done to get to where he is and try to follow him in that path.
7: Yeah, we had uh, Marcus Armstrong in studio for an hour before he headed off back overseas, and I was just really impressed with the drive and the focus, but just also the support around him as well. Um, I think you're about five years younger than him, but it wouldn't be the worst thing if you followed in his footsteps as well.
14: Yeah, the but Marcus as well. Um, very good driver, and of course, I mean, we'll see. It'll be interesting to see how he goes in Formula Two this year. But um, yeah, especially with the support. I mean, I'm very yeah, I'm very lucky now, of course, having the support from Roden, which um has definitely helped me out a lot. And without them, it wouldn't be possible.
7: And finally, Louis, how do you um, balance? Uh, patience, like you'd want to be Formula One next year, obviously you can't. Um, how do you set goals and keep them realistic but keep them challenging enough? How do you do that? Yeah, of course. I mean, I'd love to be in Formula One right
14: now, but that, of course, that isn't possible. But um, I think just not just keep on progressing. And I guess for the likes of this year going over to England, I think my goal is just to get as much experience as I can. And because I'm, um, unfortunately, because of my age, I missed out on the first round. Uh, in terms of going for, like, the championship win and stuff, it's going to make it very hard. So I think my goal is to go over there and just put, I guess, put myself up against some of the, some of the best drivers um, from the world my age and just, yeah, really see how I compare.
7: Do you like pressure?
14: Oh, uh, I, I, I'm normally pretty good with dealing with the pressure. It doesn't normally get to me. It's not really something that I worry about too much.
7: Brilliant, Louis. Well, it's the first time I've spoken to you. I'm really impressed with your level-headedness, mate. Um, uh, a lot of people are predicting good things, and uh, the patience is a big thing, I guess, but keep striving for these, those goals. We are here, and all of our SENZ family, we are going to follow you with great interest, and we, we'd love to stay in touch with you throughout your career, and we wish you all the very best, buddy. Nah, thank
14: you very much, and thank you for having me on the show this morning. It's been a pleasure
7: sports songs countdowns will continue through the day weaving our way down to number one Uh, what are we up to now we're up to number six we're getting towards the very very pointy end I've already had one song in the top hmm it wasn't long ago actually I think it was yesterday we had one from this band let's uh, let it roll in just you can hear that here it comes GNR get out your head band Grow your hair long, smash your head in the base bins. Something I'm noticing. There's a heck of a lot of falsetto in this top ten. <laughs> do like to sing along to a song, but jeez, how do they get their voice so high? It must be those tight leather pants. Uh, gets, gets those octaves up. Gets those octaves up. So that is number six. Welcome to the jungle. Guns and Roses, thanks to night and day. They've got it when you want it. These lasagnas, these hot dogs, there's moose. Oh, why wouldn't you? They are open whenever you need them. Now this next one, this next one was number one. Last September If you're a regular listener in the afternoons It's still got plenty of votes It's at number 5 Which is still a massive accolade Number 5, sports song Some
6: of the boys Got it into their heads
7: Great voice
6: By moving up north To follow the bread Howdy for me That kind of thing just don't rain This is one Southern boy Who ain't crossing the streets Now I might not be rich But a lot of things down here We got the best looking girls And the best damn beer So you can keep your today city With your cocktails and cool Give me a beer and a seven with the boys shooting pole. Cause I'm a southern man. Well, I'm southern bread. I got the south in my blood. I'll be here till I'm damn well dead. Cause I'm a southern man. Well, I'm southern bread. I got the south in my blood. And I'm gonna be here till I'm damn well dead.
7: Dennis Henderson, oh fantastic song, a rugby song from down south and Emma's looking very strangely at me as I dance and sing along to all of this Uh, but I do enjoy it. They are the sports songs, we're down to the top four, we've got four left but we're going to scoot away now because we need to get you to call in. Uh, Don't be nervous because I am, I don't know about Stumped by Smithy, today is Stumped by Staffy. Uh, I don't back myself in this, A, because I don't know the format, um, and I'm about to learn along with you. So you got the advantage. Call us on 0800 150 811 if you want to take part and in with a chance to win a $50 TAB bet and some sleepy drops. Take me on.
4: Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
6: Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job.
0: All that is he daggers is cheeky, isn't he? All right, it is time for Stunt by Staffy. Up for grabs today is $50 worth of TAB vouchers and some sleep drops. Daytime Revive, they are New Zealand's only specialist range of sleep and stress support supplements. That's what you could win. And joining us now on the line is Jade from Hamilton. Come in, Jade.
12: Hey guys, how are
0: you? Good, mate. How's, how's uh, H-Town doing?
11: Oh, it's not too bad. She's a bit humid. It was nice and cool this morning though, which was um, nice to wake up to.
0: Nice, mate. All right. Uh, you know you know the deal. we got three sporting questions here to choose from. If you can answer all three questions correctly, you win it all. But if you get a question wrong, then it's over to staff for a stumping chance. Now, he said he's never handled wicket-keeping gloves in his life. So today <laughs> could be your day. Today's topics are rugby, baseball, and motorsport. Take your pick, Jade. I
11: will try <laughs> we'll try
0: rugby, eh? <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> I have to say, Steph is pumping us first, so, so we'll see how it go. Cue the music. Yeah, I couldn't do all men or two questions because uh, then it might be a little too easy for Steph. All right. First question, Jade. The 95 Rugby World Cup was the last major event of the amateur era. The iconic moments are burned into our memories, including that late, great John, John Olamu, absolutely steamrolling the English. How many tries did he score on that day in 1995? I think he got four, right? That's a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Full of confidence there, Staffy, would you have had that one? Oh, 100%. All right, all right. We'll move on to question number two. Moving into the professional era now here on Stumped by Staffy. Super Rugby started in 1996. In what year did the Otago Highlanders win their first and to this date only Super Rugby Championship?
11: It was a pretty
10: hard game to watch. I
0: think it was 2015. That's a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. I assume by that you're a Hurricanes fan there, Jade? Yeah, very much
2: so, mate. I um, just uh, got up and
9: walked out, mate.
0: Oh, I hope Jade wins now.
9: (laughs) Hurricanes hard.
0: (laughs) All right. Last question, Jade. You're on a heater here. The mighty Waikato Chiefs. Some of the great names in New Zealand rugby have captained that Hamilton-based side, including Ian Jones, uh, Jono Gibbs, and, of course, the iconic Liam Messon. But who was their coach between 2008 and 2011?
5: Uh, What's that for? Super Rugby?
0: Super Rugby. Waikato Chiefs.
5: Uh, Dave Rennie.
0: Captain. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field.
7: I think you said coach, Logan. Did I? Yeah, yeah, I think you did say coach. Did I
0: say coach? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'll give the replay. Oh... (laughs) <laughs> Alright, I've been called out here by Staffy on his, on his first time doing stuff. <laughs> Do you know the captain? Do you know the captain, though? Uh, 2011? 2008
2: to 2011, yep. Uh, I don't even like white mate. I don't
0: care. That's a dumb question, that one. <laughs> 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 Alright, mate. Well, as a consolation... <laughs> Uh, Brian here our great panel ops that he is is feeling generous we're giving you the $50 TAB voucher mate uh, thank oh. you for pl- thank you for playing stuff by Smithy hold the line and we'll get your details
10: cheers guys thank you
0: uh, that
7: was only fair uh, can I have a guess at who the captain was absolutely mate Mills Molina you got it right We've been <laughs> so that's sort of run out without facing a ball but I don't mind I'm happy for I'm happy for our man Jade to get that um, we'll come back in a mo.
4: Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
7: Welcome back in. Good fun sitting in Smithy's, uh, Smithy's slot, actually, because the finish line's close. The finish line's close, <laughs> which is also, I can't wait for the cricket this afternoon. I really, really uh, been building for quite a long time. There's some great racing going on. Um, we've talked about the gallops, about the derby, but uh, there's plenty of harness on this weekend as well, starting off tonight and uh, culminates with a great Trots Talk show on Sunday. And part of that is Mick Guerin joins the show now. Good day, Mick.
2: Morning, Staffy. How are you, mate?
7: Very well. Very well. Um, it's hard to know where to start because we've got grass, we've got north, we've got south, we've got high quality, we've got rank and file. Yeah, so much harness. Well,
2: there's also, also the Miracle Mile tomorrow night, which has uh, a New Zealand bred component, King of Swing, who started his career here. This is at 20 to 12 tomorrow night. Trying to become the first horse to ever win three Miracle Miles. It's never been done. Australia's biggest harness race, and there's a real New Zealand flag to be flowing there. Also, some New Zealand owners involved in the second favourite, Spirit of St. Louis. Before then, we race at Winton today. Alexandra Park tonight's a really good one, Steffi. Now, again, it's red-light settings, so people can go along, but not en masse. It's one of those things where if you go to a certain bar there, you're more or less uh, re- Restricted to that bar for the day, which is a start. Same story for Ellerslie tomorrow. So we have plenty of good harness racing on, but it's it's the big dance because Self Assured, who is the S E N Z pacer for the race at Cambridge on the fourteenth of April, he races tonight in a fifty thousand dollar race and he's favourite. But if he's going to win, Steph, he's he's got to do it the hard way because there's a very good horse in the race called South Coast Arden, who's beaten him before. And is drawn to be in front of him and be hard to catch. So they are in race eight, Alexandra Park tonight, nine thirty-four. Nice early finish there. Really tricky race. If Self-Assured comes out and sits parked and beats South Coast Arden, covering more ground, then he's absolutely the horse to beat in the race for S E and Z and those lucky enough to be part of our slot winning those wednesday morning little fractions of an ownership um also other great racing there tonight uh, there's the best three roads in the country now the big guns there akuta and franco indy actually got beaten last time which was a real shock everybody was like wow they got beaten by a hundred to one chance they all go again the same horses this week um or tonight at 8:30. And then there's the good thing of the night in race four, which is true fantasy. Um, three-year-old filly who, when she races other three-year-old fillies, beats them pretty much all the time. I've got one tonight, Staffy, for those who feel like having a bet and good. it will appeal to your audience. Because I know there's a lot of golfers love BCNZ. They love Lots of sports people love it. This one's called Sevi, after the great Spaniard, Sevi Ballesteros. Race seven tonight, Alexandra Park. He's up against a pretty good horse called Merlin. I think he beats him. I think Seville lead for the greatest ever, Tony Hurley, New Zealand's most successful ever horse person with over 3,500 wins. Race seven, Alexandra Park tonight at nine o'clock. Seve uh, is a good bet. You put your twenty bucks on. Of course, bet responsibly. Don't bet the rent money because that's silly. I've tried that; doesn't work. <laughs> uh, put your, your, your ten or twenty on Staffy You'll double your money, and then you get a bit more money for coffee or breakfast tomorrow morning. And then, of course, it's Derby Day. Louis Herman Watt is back up two weeks off, which is good because he can host the show and I can sit there and drink coffee and pretend I know what I'm talking about. That starts at 8 o'clock tomorrow morning. It'll be a huge show, huge show for our biggest day in New Zealand galloping. Uh, and then we're back with Trot's Talk on Sunday to catch our breath, work at what's happened. And then we roll into Monday with the Caracas Thoroughbred Yelling sale starting at 11 o'clock. So. Stephy, for i know it's always busy in sport it's, it's just always busy these days but for people who love racing this is a magical next 10 days because at the back end of all of that next sunday nine days away is the last Ellerslie gallops meeting for 18 months they have auckland cup day then they close the track to refurbish it uh next day so it's brilliant an incredible time in New Zealand racing
7: staff. It is indeed. Mick Guerin, thank you so much for your time. You can catch Mick, Mick, catch Mick and Greg. 12 to 1 Trots Talk, and that's all thanks to the great people at Harness Racing New Zealand. Oh, there's only 30 seconds, uh, logs <laughs> It's only 30 seconds. Or oh, have we, we done the ads? Oh, we've got a minute 20. Different clocks, different shifts, different clocks. Um, we've had some good text messages and a lot of people, I want to read one out that we got in from Craig, actually, if I can find it. Here it is. Staffy, what is it with motorsport guys and girls? They all speak so well. Is it training? Acceptance speeches when they win, that's def- there's definitely something there. They all sound so mature at such a young age. They could teach some professional sports people a thing or two. Cheers Craig from Bay of Plenty. So right Logan, like that was, was so cool hearing from the young fella, 14 years
0: old. Just yeah hearing the confidence in him and just being so self assured and and, and what he can do and I mean he's such a young age 14 God what was I doing at 14 just I mean I was at Totonga Boys College but I was probably not doing anything that meaningful what about you? I was doing skids on my bike on the gravel drive that, that was what was, that's what I was doing
7: um, but yeah just yeah, just blew me away and we had Marcus Armstrong as I mentioned to Louis um, earlier this year in studio for an hour and just the poise and the balance and the professionalism of these of these kids. So, really good sport karting. Get your kids into karting. Not that expensive. And what a journey. What a pathway. If they're any good. It's midday. It's Emma
4: here to get you through your workday. This is Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ Big talk, big opinions, the panel.
6: Talk, talk,
7: Oh, and what a panel we've got today. You're going to hear a bit from these guys over the next, uh, well, next few weeks. I guess I'm actually not even sure how long it goes for, but it's one we've been waiting for for a long, long time. It's the ICC Cricket Women's World Cup hosted here starting today. And we have a fantastic commentary team joining you, giving you ball by ball right here on SENZ, either through your radio frequencies or on the SENZ app. In fact, it's probably a really good time to get the app um, because you can take it all around the country with you and never miss a ball of the White Ferns games. Joining us online now, ladies before gentlemen, Anna Corbin joins us, former New Zealand cricketer. G'day, Anna.
15: Good morning. How are you? I'm
7: good, and I'm, I'm trying to imagine how excited you might be. Oh, have we got you back? Oh, yep. I've missed oh, Have we got you back? Still yeah, sure do. Yep. Still there. Okay, okay. I'll start that again. <laughs> Excitement levels <laughs> for you, See, seeing this uh, this World Cup for the sport you love back here in New Zealand.
15: Well, to be honest, I feel pretty excited. I um, <laughs> woke up this morning with we a feeling like I might burst, to be honest. It's been a long time coming.
7: <laughs> yeah, and they're going all right, aren't they, Anna? Like... Um, I think I'm quite happy they had that loss. I would hate to go into a World Cup because I feel like expectations might rise.
15: Yeah, look, they've had a really good run leading into the World Cup. I think um, since 2017, there's been a few hard lessons and they had had a bit of a sort of a rough patch and um, and different things going on. But they seem to be on a real run now, um, particularly after that uh, series against India um, down in Queenstown, um, where they really convincingly um, Hit their strides um, and had had a series win, so they can take a lot of confidence away from that, um, along with the the win against Australia um, and the warm up matches as well. So things are looking um, looking really promising for our White Ferns.
7: They absolutely will, and alongside um, Anna and a galaxy of stars, uh, we have the president of cricket commentary for SENZ joining us out of the Wellington studios, Daniel Snake McCarty. Daniel, um, I'm actually. I'm pleasantly surprised how excited I am for this tournament.
1: G'day, Staffy. That's benevolent dictator. I think you're fine. Uh, I don't think I was rightfully... Um, uh, I don't think I won a vote. I just took over. Uh, great, to, great to speak to you, my friend. Uh, and and I'm, Hello, Anna. I can't wait to work with you again. Um, we're just a couple of hours away. Why, why are you excited, Staffy? Why has that sort of leapt up and jumped on your back? I would ha- hazard a guess... That you've probably reflected on the New Zealanders' form over the 18 months leading up to the the Indian series, where they had been a little bit up and down. I know the results didn't go their way in the tour to England. Uh, I I did feel, though, there were signs they were moving in the right direction, and I I think we really got to see that in evidence against India. Uh, Do I need to take a big uh, drink of water, though, and and calm the farm? How much should we take out of those games I think we're going to find out real quick. Yeah, I, I
7: think part of the reason I'm really excited about it is it's it's the platform, it's it's the world stage here in our backyard, and it's it's like I don't feel like we've had a really good concentrated effort at following, supporting, investigating, commentating these these wonderful cricketers. Susie Bates has been one of the best players in the world for a long time. Sophie Devine, incredible. I feel like we've accidentally found. An amazing batsman, uh, sorry, batter in Milly Kerr. Now, I say accidentally because she's a bowler, right? And then bang, we've got a new batter. Um, But I do feel, Anna, if we're going to win this World Cup, we need someone outside those three to have a tournament of their life as well. We can't just rely on an 11-person game on three people.
15: Oh, look, and I think there's far more depth than that in this group, um, which is very, very exciting. There's a lot of experience, and then it tipped off with um, a few new cats and a few younger girls that um, haven't been on the scene as long. But we really are seeing, you know, there's Amy Satiswaite, there's Leah Tahuhu, there's Maddie Green, who's been in the camp for a long time as well. And they really are, um, they're all stepping up uh, and putting together consistent performances. And when they get their day, they're, they're putting up their hand. Um, so there's definitely a lot more depth there these days than um, perhaps in previous years. We really have heavily relied on the names of Bates and Divine um, and the development of Neely Kerr. But uh, like I say, so much more depth and excitement there now. Um, and, th- and they've all been performing in more recent times. So very, very good to see.
7: Is there a chance, Anna, that we wasted an amazing performance in a build-up game against Australia? Because that's going to be pretty hard to back up.
15: Oh look, not to take anything away from that game, but I I watched the coverage, the highlight clip of that, and um, it looked like they were all having a lot of fun, and Australia used all nine of their bowlers as well. So it really was a warm-up hit-out, a really good chance for Australia to expose some of their younger bowlers, and you know, they were bowling against two world-class, or three world-class players in Bates, Devine, and Mealy Kerr, and Mealy and and, um, and Sophie, they've both taken that opportunity to build their confidence, have a good head out, um, explore where their areas of the ground are, where their strengths are, and have a good look at these bowlers too. So... Um, I don't think that that's a wasted performance at all. I, I, I think um, it's just very exciting, and, and we've got some really good things to look forward to.
7: Sure, have Daniel. You're a um, investigator supreme, of course. Uh, we we know all about the New Zealand women's team. What can you share with us about this? West Indies women's team, I, I just see the TRB odds are so skewed. nine New Zealand in a two-horse race, West Indies six fifty, which suggests they're not going to win. But are there some danger players within that West Indies squad?
1: Oh, for sure, Staffie. And when you do look at the market, it looks like a five-team race, five going into four for the semifinals, of course, and can anyone stop this mighty Australian women's side? Uh, they're clear favourites now, aren't they? And then you can bunch up uh, New Zealand, England, and India, and I think just uh, nipping at the heels, South Africa, who are on the back of a very good bowling attack are going to be a very uh, clear and present danger. But as far as the West Indies, they would be next of uh, first of the outsiders. They're a proficient side, you would say. There's certainly some glaring uh, holes uh, in their lineup. But as far as uh, key players, well, you, you can't go past their skipper Stefani Taylor, um, now an established um, uh, star on the on the world scene. I think. Right up there, third runs all time in one-day international cricket. 700s in there with a high score of 171, but also inside the top 10 when it comes to taking wickets too. So uh, that's pretty impressive. And the only player on the planet Earth that was once ranked the highest bowler and batsman at the same time. Wow. Uh, So that tells you what she is capable of. Uh, those Halcyon uh, days a little bit behind her, but still only 30 years young. She can surely uh, uh, find a world-class performance or, uh, or two. Uh, You'll see Anissa Muhammad, the veteran uh, spin bowler, who's been around since 2003, Staffy. What were you doing in 2003? She was playing international cricket as a 15-year-old. Very, very wise Kenny player. Uh, alongside her and say, uh, uh, Shakira Sh- 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 Salman who uh, lead the, the, uh, the, the pace bowling attack. Uh, they've got a genuine fast bowler in Shamilia Connell too, but uh, they're a top-heavy side, I would say, Steffi, as far as batting and bowling goes, and you'd expect New Zealand, uh, and I don't think this is outlandish to say, even if New Zealand's at about 85%, 90%, they should have enough.
7: Talking to Daniel McCarty and Anna Corbyn, you might remember her as Anna Dodd, a very accomplished cricketer in her day as well. Um, Anna, what, what do you think... Well, it will mean to these New Zealanders to be playing on home soil. Hopefully, we can get crowds a little bit later on in the tournament. I don't know if that that will happen, but they they are far flung. Like our big stars go and play in England, they play in the women's big bash. They come back and play a little bit of domestic. This is a real concentrated effort. The whole of New Zealand are watching them. This is this is is it too much pressure? Is it an embraced pressure? Is it a good thing for the for the cricketing community?
15: Yeah, I I would say, yes, it's an embraced pressure, really, or there's really only the pressure you put on yourself um, out there anyway. So hopefully they're they're approaching this um, as a group unit with a whole lot of fun. Um, It's a real journey and so exciting to be doing this on home soil 20 years after um, the White Ferns won for the first time a World Cup here on home soil uh, and the only time New Zealand has won a World Cup. So they'll be wanting to repeat history and it's a... It's a real journey. It will bring them together and probably even more so in this climate where we're, you know, we're uh, pursuing this tournament under pandemic sort of circumstances. Um, They'll have limited family and friends support following them around the country. So they will really gel together as a unit. And this is something that they're embarking on together as a group. Um, It's winning a World Cup and a team sport isn't something you can do on your own. You all have to be on the same path together. So... um, it's 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 genuinely exciting and um I do hope later on in the tournament we can get some bigger crowds along and show our support but uh, we can do that in a, a number of other ways these days with social media uh, messages to the team and that sort of thing so just encourage people to get right in behind them and support them on this on this pathway
7: um and what about We've got amazing experience. Sophie Devine, Susie Bates, Meili Kerr, admittedly young but but experienced. Amy Satterthwaite, an absolute rock. We've got players like Rosemary Mead, Jess Kerr. Th- th- these sorts of players. This is this is massive for them. How do you think they approach making them feel comfortable on the biggest stage? for the first time it's it, it's just like um it's just like another plate of food for, for these experienced ones but they'll have to be conscious of these newbies because it could get quite daunting
15: oh yeah but they've all played cricket for a while now and yes this is a tournament environment where you play around robin you're playing a different team so the preparations and everything are all very different but like you say they've got that experience around them and they can lean on each other lift each other up and um, push each other along And, you know, I wouldn't say Jess Kerr or Rosemary Mare or Hannah Rowe, these these players, they've been on the scene for a little while, so they'll be well accustomed to international cricket, Um, they know what they need to do, and they'll just focus on their plans and get the job done, I hope.
7: Daniel, um, you've called a lot of cricket. A lot of cricket but we've had guests on the station all week which are the former uh, women cricketers that are going to be co-hosts for you uh, mate. Um, I'm sending a warning shot, they are very very capable, you won't be able to gloss over any mistakes, you won't be able to make stuff up because I just get the feeling they're strong, they're knowledgeable. You're going to have to be on your A game with this commentary crew.
1: No, in fact, quite the opposite. I could be on my Z game and just basically hand over the reins of this card to the team and it would be absolutely splendid. So I'm, I, the least amount of pressure I've probably ever felt leading up to a massive tournament, tournament Staffy, that's how much uh, faith I have in my crew. How much
7: faith you got in this New Zealand team? Mate? How much faith that they can, I mean, let's be honest, on the big, big stage, our big, big players, I think Simon Dool alluded to it, we've seen good 2020 form from Sophie Devine, from Susie Bates. Um, We did see something nice against the Australians the other time, but this is their time, and possibly, for some of this team, their last chance as well.
1: Yep, that that, that is very true, uh, for sure, Staffie. Uh, I think it all starts, what is our expectation for the side? I think historically our expectation, after a stretch of World Cup performances from the initial one in 1973 all the way through to 2009 that New Zealand makes the semi-finals, that we did not finish outside of the top four um, in any of those. And, of course, made uh, three consecutive finals, uh, winning the third in 2000, of course. So, so with that in mind, it's the bare minimum to make the semi-finals uh, to historically sort of match up what this uh, team has achieved in the past. Uh, so that's the first hurdle I think they uh, need to overcome. And then you get into cliché territory, don't you, Steffi? Um, it's all on the day um, because we have seen it with our own eyes uh, and the talent is there. Uh, but I, I, I det- picked up on that point where you said to Anna a little bit uh, earlier about outside of, of the big star names, I think we need to find contributions up and down this lineup, uh, And I really do think New Zealand has to to be near perfect if you are to beat a, a side, uh, in the form of Australia who I've just got so much admiration for. So my expectation is, my, my bare minimum is make the semi-finals. Uh, a good tournament, we're back to a final and, and of course we did a dream um, I think that was the tagline from 2015 <laughs> yeah. uh, that uh, 2022 might be their year again.
7: Yeah, Dream big New Zealand dream big and finally Anna um, let's just carry on that point, Divine Bates Kerr eliminated we can't, we can't pick one of them who do you think's got the equipment Who's, who do you think's got got some destiny about them that at the end of the tournament, we're going to look back and go, geez, wasn't Haley Jensen amazing? You know, finally, we've got a fit, healthy Frankie Mackay and she was key. Who do you think's the most likely of those to stand up and, and actually make a statement this World Cup? Oh,
1: golly. Why don't you just put me on the spot? Okay. <laughs> oh, no, I know, talk about um, a tough one. Five,
7: four, three, um, right. two. Um, I, I like...
15: <laughs> Oh, look, I like the promise of Maddie Green. She's been in the group for a long time, um, and she yep. is a smart, smart cricketer. Um, she's really strong down the ground. She's been playing a lot of cricket in the BBL um, in recent years. Um, so I like that idea. And um, Hayley Jensen's really grown on me in time. I've never sort of really known Hayley um, or played cricket with or against her. But to see them opening the bowling with her... Um, just to provide another option you know she's just a a stoic steady player um who always seems to step up as well so i think there's a couple you know a couple right through the middle there um they've all got the ability to to contribute um and given their day you know i really think that they can so um yeah there's a couple of names I could probably
7: keep going. <laughs> Brilliant, Anna. Really looking forward to hearing your commentary stints alongside the rest of our crew. Make sure you get Dan McCarty. Um, text him like your coffee order, um, your standard Burger King order, or whatever it is that that takes your fancy. Because he really does look after his co-commentators. Does Dan McCarty? So he, he's he sort of he sort of loathes to offer it out, but if you ask him, he will deliver.
6: <laughs> <laughs> Loath.
7: I'll make <laughs> sure. <of> it. <laughs> hey guys, uh, we're going to come back to you um what we're just over an hour away really pumped for it thanks so much we we can't wait to take you on an audio journey of this cricket world cup can't wait and thanks for joining us today Th-
1: thanks Thank so, you so much stephie
7: if a fantastic lineup of commentators to bring to bring your mind's eye the pictures through words of this ICC Women's Cricket World Cup. The White Ferns, every single game, ball by ball, with great commentators like those two you just heard here on SCNZ on the radio or on the app. Every White Ferns game and the finals, we can't wait to bring it to you.
4: Afternoon. It's Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ.
7: It is a big, it is a big, big day. It's a big day for Cricket World Cup. I can't wait. It is live on SNZ. It is live on Sky. There's no excuse to miss it. Joining us from Sky Sport now, Christina Eddy. Christina, it's very exciting times.
16: It is, isn't it? From one big event to another, well, we're very, very excited uh, to be hosting the ICC Women's Cricket World Cup, and it gets underway very shortly with the first ball at 2pm when the White Ferns take on a West Indies. Well, I'm very excited to see Sophie Divine's debate nearly Kerr, or the squad taking them on in action just to show us what the match off very shortly. But yes, it's pretty amazing. have such a prestigious event here in New Zealand. Uh, and we're very stoked to be the official broadcaster. Well you can catch today's match and a bunch of others free. We are on Prime and every minute on your Skybox, obviously. And if you don't have Sky, well there's a special spa, uh, pass, sorry, on Sky Sport now to stream on your device for only twenty four ninety nine, which you can get all the other channels too. So yes, you can sit back and enjoy the whole Women's Cricket World Cup
6: very easily.
7: That's the price of a good lunch uh, and you get way more than just lunch so cook it yourself and park up and, and, and watch it and now super rugby O oh picky it's been delayed a week but we still get to enjoy some rugby this weekend
16: Yes, yes, absolutely. I mean, unfortunately, obviously, with COVID, round one is now a game of three halves on Saturday and Taupo, but it will still be great with Matatu, Hurricane Sport, and the Chiefs of Manawa, but normal service will resume hopefully next week. I guess I'm just dying to see who dots down the first try. I mean, will it be one of the seven speedsters or will it be a 15s expert like Liz Elder or Kendra Coxage? Well, we're all about to find out, aren't we? But they're all awesome, and we're excited to see what will happen for the women's rugby and even prouder to put our name to it.
7: Now, we've had uh, Louis Sharp, we've had Hayden Patton, uh, uh and our motor racing fans. Uh, they'll be excited for the weekend as well.
16: Yes, exactly. Plenty of supercars, uh, which is fantastic. I mean... Like I said, I mean, it all really starts, doesn't it, now for so many leagues around the world um, and in New Zealand, which is fantastic. There's also tons of football from down under and up top. Heaps of other rugby and cricket are from around the world. And if you have to be struck down by, well, I, hope, I hope I hate to say it, but there are plenty of people out there right now with the coronavirus, and that does suck. But if you do have something, you need to take your mind off it. Well, there's also snooker golf and all of the American action as well with NHL, NBA and so much
7: more. That is absolutely brilliant, Christine. Thanks so much for joining us out of uh, Sky sports so much on the sporting menu this weekend enjoy your weekend buddy
16: you too enjoy it
7: here's Christina Eddy from Sky Sport Uh, some text messages have come in Uh, one from Chris my $40 Burger King that I won on the chase came in the mail today thank you Burger King and SENZ I'll be donating some to people I see who are in need Chris champion what a champion you are Thank you very much. Someone's predicting what's going to be next on uh, in the countdown in the top four. Uh, Richard, you are correct. Hang on to your hat. Hang on to your hat. Um, Henry wants to know, are we making a Spotify list for the top 40? You betcha, Henry. Neeps will do that when he's back from his uh, self-isolation. Uh, we might try and get it wangled out for you in the next few days. We will certainly let you know uh, where that is. Um, Someone's called me Rod Marsh, standing in for Smithy. Oh, I wasn't that good. I did get the last I didn't even get an opportunity to play actually because he was so damn good. Um, oh yes. John has texted in Staffy, there's no such thing as cheap motor racing. Oops. If you want to be successful, it costs so much. He speaks well because he comes from money. <laughs> That's from John. He did speak well though, the young fella. Um I've said it before and I'll say it again. Motorsport drivers are the most eloquent, polite, insightful and generous people in sports media. What an outstanding young man and great interview. That's from Paddy. It was. We're getting a lot of feedback on that chat with uh, Louis, aren't we, Logan? He he, he was such a good listen.
0: Yeah, I think that's definitely one you should uh, check back on on the uh, podcast channels there on the SCNZ App or on Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. He was quite inspirational uh, for a for a fourteen year old. Yes, obviously comes across sounding very educated, but he knows his stuff. He loves his cars, uh, a very determined young lad. So. He's definitely going to be one that we hear a lot more of from the future, I would say. Yeah, another one from Carl. Bloody hell, that
7: kid's 14 and speaks better than 90% of the adults. Anyone you speak to from motorsport are the same. That's from Carl. It's true. And look, I'm going to stick my hand up. And when, I, when Logan teed this interview up, I said, oh, 14-year-old? I'm going to get a, have to get a whole lot of questions, you know, if I ask him a question like, you know, your first drive from carts into open wheels, what was that like? You know... I'm generalising here and I admit I'm wrong I was expecting something like oh yeah they're much bigger and much faster and it's really really cool hell no technical insightful took you in the car with them it was fantastic (laughs) maybe I need to speak to more aspiring young motorsport people Um, maybe that's what I need to do Uh, we were going to take a break for news now, Emma's still on deck she's just putting in the yards for us at ECNCT. that must mean Johnny Mac, is Johnny Mac out there? No there's no Johnny Mac, it's just Emma in for the long haul so let's catch up with her now with New Sport and Weather Oh, that's got me warmed up. We are down to number four and number three. The top four of 40 we have arrived. We have arrived in the night and day top 40 sports songs countdown. For me, this is not only a sports song, this is my favorite song of all time. Virginia Tech run out to this. If you've never watched it, YouTube. Virginia Tech run on. Opinion. Metallica. I met someone the other night um, and her middle name is Metallica. Her dad was a huge fan. So much respect for her. Metallica. That is number four. We have three to go. Three to go. And number three will start encroaching on your eardrums very, very shortly. Um, this one... Oh, it's, it's huge around the world. Happy Gilmore, a number of NHL teams. This played in the Chicago Blackhawks Stadium when I went to their game, as the team skated around the outside. So yes, it fell out of favour for a while. Of course, Gary Glitter met a fairly um, controversial demise. Well, not controversial. He met demise. But that is number three, Rock and Roll Part Two by Gary Glitter. We have two left. Oh, you can text in and guess what the two we haven't played in the top 40. I think one's obvious. One's obvious. The other one will be obvious when you hear it, but you might not know what it's called. So there's a tip for you. There's a tip for you, Logan. You've been waving at me. Something's happening.
0: You're watching CNN. I almost wanted to try and put on an Anchorman voice here, <laughs> but no. This is this is very serious uh, news. Uh, you, You mentioned the name before, Rod Marsh. Yes, Australian cricket legend Rod Marsh has died at the age of 74, a week after suffering a serious heart attack. The former wicketkeeper died in hospital in Adelaide this morning having been transferred from Bundaberg earlier this week. Uh, He played 96 test matches for Australia between 1970 and 1984, retiring with a then world record of 355 dismissals, 95 of which came off the bowling of his great mate Dennis Lilly. Uh, He was also the first Australian wicketkeeper to make a test century, reaching that mark against Pakistan in Adelaide in 1972-73. We have... Ian Smith back on the show next week and I'm sure he will have some stories to share about the great man.
7: And my lasting memory of him was he was the wicketkeeper in that underarm incident and he was disgusted that that's what Australia did. Uh, I I seem to remember he threw his gloves down. Um, But uh, that's not the only breaking news, Logan. More news.
0: It's sure not. Unfortunately we just had Christina Eddy from Sky Sport on here hyping up the uh, game of three halves but the Hurricanes Poa have withdrawn from Saturday's Super Rugby Opeki a pre-season match uh, due to members of the team contracting COVID. Uh, the competition was scheduled to begin on Saturday with, a pre- with their pre-season game of three halves uh, between the Hurricanes poor the Chiefs Manawa and the Maratu at Taupo's Owen Delaney Park. Uh, but they'll be seeing this one out. Uh, so not sure what is going to happen there if the other two teams are still going to play, but uh, just another hit there for the start of Super Rugby Opaki.
7: Yeah, it sounds like it's a game of two halves, just two teams taking part, and if their 10-day starts now, it's not looking good for next weekend as well. Um, Super Rugby Opaki, another really important um, sporting competition on our landscape Let's hope that they can get through Without too many more wrinkles in the sheets uh, We're coming up to 20 to 1 We'll take a break And when we come back We're going across the ditch As we do on Mondays and Fridays And we're going to chat to Julian King
4: All the afternoon delight you'll ever need It's Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ
3: Can I get you to say with me How bloody are ya? Ah. Ah.
7: Across the ditch Oh, it's always a good time going across the ditch. Every Monday and Friday, I can see Julian King. He's clapping along to the song. You probably haven't heard that before. Oh, I can't hear you, Julian. Just stand by. Uh, we've got to push a button here. Sam, what here about we... now. Oh, no, we got probably you now. now. Got you now. Yeah, got you got now. Perfect.
3: Got you now. Yeah, I actually remember that song played about no, fewer than 20 times in John Eels' last test where Todd Ikefu's robot arm planted the ball down under the post. Stadium Australia against your all that, that was when the Wallabies were competitive, of course, and it's been downhill ever
7: since. They were very, very good in those years. In That's fact, you may, you may not know that every Friday we get former Wallaby hooker Jeremy Paul. He, he's got his own segment on the show every Friday. Of course, we love that, Jez. Oh, oh he... he he is an absolute rock star off the show. He holds it together on a Friday, but um, and people remember when Aussie were really, really strong. And we, you know, I think a lot of rugby fans want Aussie to be stronger and be be more competitive against mm. the All Blacks because it's a wonderful traditional game.
3: It is, and and the problem that Australian rugby faces at the moment, it's really fallen out of the sporting consciousness. Mm. Twenty years ago, Staffy, the. I guess you could almost say generic supporter jersey across the globe was a Wallabies jersey. You might see the Socceroos play over in England. You see Wallabies jerseys in the crowd. You don't see that anymore. And Raylene Castle, I remember, when she was the boss of, of Rugby Australia, she said the best ticket out is to start winning the Bledisloe Cup again. Yeah. And she's not wrong. She's not wrong. Sadly, I, I can't see that happening for some time.
7: Yeah, and and it's like the media have fallen out of love, and it's not the media's fault. But um, before the season started, I sent uh, media interview requests um, to the various Super Rugby franchises, and um, the Waratahs came back to me, and I interviewed Harry, the, the big red-headed bearded prop, and it was a wonderful chat. And uh, I posted the interview on Twitter, and. The Australian rugby fans were going, we can't even get a rugby story in, in the papers, on the radio, yep. anything in Sydney, which is the spiritual home, if there is such a thing of rugby in Australia. It just doesn't make waves at all. Mm. And they were like, mm. God, a New Zealand radio station want to talk to the Waratahs. That shows how far it's <laughs> sunk over there.
3: Yeah, and they want to talk. Look, sad news in the cricket world this morning, Staffy. Yeah, we just heard. Uh, rod marsh and for new zealand fans uh, they may remember you know the infamous underarm incident with with trevor chappell mcg 81 and mckechnie was on strike six to tie the game and it was legal at the time and they realized it was going to bowl underarm and if you remember the shot rod marsh was keeping and he shook his head
7: and he and was said, going no, no mate no i don't no, like
3: it it was a sign of the integrity of the man uh, 74 he was pretty fit but you know, in induced coma after he went to Queensland for a Bulls Masters event, recently transferred to an Adelaide hospital to be closer to his family, former Australian selector, you know, 96 test matches for Australia between 70 and 84, retired with a then world record of 355 dismissals. But Court Marsh, Bold Lily, to this day, Stafford remains the most successful bowler-keeper combination in test match history with 95 dismissals.
7: And he, to us New Zealanders, he is the consummate Australian, the big moustache. Bit of cheek, <laughs> the, the, great sense of humour. The shirt
3: unbuttoned down to the navel. Yeah, the of, hairy yeah, yeah.
7: chest. And you could just imagine he'd walk off the field, go straight to the visitors' changing room with, with a slab of Foster's or whatever they drank back then, and just a good bugger. And sort of the equivalent in New Zealand here is our host of the morning shows, who I'm filling in for today, Ian Smith, who's a wonderful cricket commentator as well. And I know it will rock him because uh, they're tight, the Wicket Keepers Club.
3: Yeah. Yeah. What did you make of Roger Tuavasa Shek's debut? That was, the, it was a brilliant game between the Blues and the Hurricanes. I thought he was great.
7: Yeah, he got a big pass mark from the people that matter, I think. And we've asked some very good uh, former All Blacks about how they thought he went. I mean, he's going to learn quickly. He's a very smart man. Made a couple of, I guess you could say, technical errors and positional errors. Um, and there was the glaring palm off he got. Uh, which set up the try that they ultimately that ultimately beat them but the thing about roger's tackling like he's brave but he's not big and in, and in league you as a fullback you'd generally tend to tackle a bit higher because you've got to snuff the ball out. Um, in rugby, you just got to deck him. you just got to deck him. <laughs> and, 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 and I think um, in time we'll see him just lowering his target line a little bit more because we've got big, big midfielders in Super Rugby here and they'll palm him off all day. But uh, other than that one glaring mistake, and he got penalised at a couple of rucks because he didn't let the ball go soon enough, but he'll be a sponge, he'll pick it up, and he'll be an all black.
3: Big World Cup on your shores, looking forward to this. Now, you know, we always say here, because we're in the lead-up to the league season, trial form doesn't mean anything, but I tell you what, I mean, if you're the white firms who smashed Australia in that lead-up game, I mean, uh, the Aussies are favourites, and rightfully so, but I, I tell you what, your mob are a red-hot chance. Look, red hot chance. W- if Divine and Bates produce that form, they call them the smash sisters, don't they? And, and Aussie fans are familiar with them, I mean, they've been... Uh, very prominent in the WBBL. If they produce that form through the tournament, watch out.
7: Yeah, Divine Bates, Merely Kerr, who, who was a very good spin bowler only two years ago, and now she's probably um, our third most important batter as well. But there'll be a lot of players in this team that maybe the Australians don't know too much about. I think Leah Tahu, who is one of the fastest women bowlers quick, yeah, in the game. Um, and then we've got players like Jess Kerr, who's Merely Kerr's um, sister, she comes from an athletics background and um, very good. She's got, she's really improved over the last twenty-four months. We're excited. We're guardedly confident. We just want to make the semis and then let's go.
3: Mm. I mean, uh, she, I reckon Amelia Kerr, Staffy, is almost the premier all-rounder in fifty-over cricket. Remember, she burst on the scene. I think she was sixteen. She hit that big double hundred, and they expected maybe a bit too much of it. She's, she's coming into her own. What does she get? Ninety. 90-odd off about 70 balls, just finished the game really, really nicely. But to get that chase, interesting just reading about that. If the ICC accepted that scorecard, New Zealand would have completed the greatest ODI run chase Of all time. Of all time. Against the world's number ones Of all time. But the ICC are not
7: accepting the scorecard, so let's put that in the bin. Yeah, put that in the bin. And the the cool thing about Amelia Kerr, she didn't tour England with the New Zealand team, and she put her hand up and said, I'm having mental health issues. Best thing she could have done. Look what it's done for her. She's grounded. She's focused, but she's still having fun. But, uh, Julian, we will uh, lock horns again. Uh, Always good to chat to you, my friend, over there in Australia, over there in our little sub district. Districts out to our left, um, always good to chat to you buddy. Joyce bro <laughs> Julian King there coming to us out of Australia, we'll be back in a moment
4: Ready for a workday pick me up, this is Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ
7: Welcome back in, team. Uh, approaching the news at 1 o'clock. couple of score updates for you um, in the LPGA Tour. Uh, I watched that. I turned over yesterday to watch. Oh, Lydia's playing. She was teeing off the 18th. Uh, and took double bogey sorry Lids um, but three under tied for fifth at the moment uh, just two shots off the leader uh, Thai golfer Paddy Um, she won towards the end of last year big strapping strong woman um, fantastic to watch Mb Park is in there tied for second um, and I'm going to scoot to the uh, Arnold Palmer Invitational as well best of the best are here Rory McIlroy leads he's seven under After one round, two shots ahead of Bo Hosler. Billy Horschel's at the top, Graham McDowell. Uh, Adam Scott's up there as well. And I did have before, have I still got it here? I hope I've still got it here. I haven't. But Ben Campbell, who's been on the show a couple of times, he's playing up in Thailand. He's tied for fifth on seven under, uh, three shots off the lead. So New Zealand golf was going good. And earlier on today, Everton beat um, our new favourite non-league team, Boreham Wood. 2-0 2-0 Everton, uh, but they got to the fifth round, that is just a fantastic fantastic result now do bear in mind we're only kicking on in this show till about one twenty-five, and then we'll hand over to the commentary team, I can see Daniel McCarty, he's sitting there ready to go um, so between now and then we're going to catch up with uh, Cam Kirkwood from Harness Racing New Zealand and Jeremy Paul has come back to us and said yep I'm good to go brother so here Jeremy Paul will be on the show at about uh, 1.15 we have the final two sports songs coming at you after one o'clock as well now as always uh, Jeremy Paul now we're a lot earlier than normal because we normally have him on, him on about quarter past two so we're an hour early as always do feel free to text in your questions, and you know if you text them, I will ask them as long as there's not a gazillion. So be first on 8833. Text in any questions you've got for the great man, the former Wallaby hooker Jeremy Paul. Um, he's a great man and he's got stories for Africa. If he's a player you want to know about, where are they now, or what was he like to play for or play against, text them in. On 8833, Jeremy Paul at 115, the cricket at 125, and straight after the news breaks, we have song number two and song number one in the Night and Day Top Sports Song Countdown. La Copa de la Vida by Ricky Martin. I might have danced to that too. Football's Coming Home, the English football fans. Uh, Kingcraft 400, Gonna Make You Sweat, CNC Music Factory. Chariots of Fire, Start Me Up the Stones. And number 20 was Island's Call. I sang long and strong to that one. We Will Rock You, Queen, was 19. Forever Blowing Bubbles, Dreadlock Holiday, Paradise City, Lose Yourself Eminem It really starts getting good here Don't Stop Believing Journey Probably got the longest play of all of these Because one of my absolute favourites We're the Champions cream. Tell me where the Freak's at That's by Savage That was number 12 What You Get Is What You See Tina Turner Then a couple of Akadakas ACDC Thunderstruck Back and Black Dutchies by Shapeshifter You Never Walk Alone During the Pacemakers Welcome to the Jungle Guns N' Roses Southern Man Dennis Henderson Number 4 Sam Sandman. Number three, Rock and Roll Part 2. Number two, Eye of the Tiger by Survivor. Number one in the night and day sports song countdown is... you'd imagine Eden Park. Wallabies have run out. We're waiting for the All Blacks. Stadium goes dark. There's spotlights around the field. Everyone's saying, what's going to happen? And then there's a roar. Ladies and gentlemen, It's 56 games and 14 years since your mighty All Blacks have been conquered on the hallowed turf of Eden Park. Everyone stand up. You're All Blacks, led by Sam Kane. Can you imagine the crowd? They would nut off (sighs) Serious, Alan Parsons Project Uh, It's a magnificent run-on song for the Chicago Bulls Um, It didn't win by a mile, but it won Our number one in our night and day sports songs countdown We will get a Spotify list Uh, up there for you on that Um, now because the news didn't um, play we've got a few little technical issues running in the background at the moment so we're just going to get though you won't hear it you won't hear anything out there or will they will they Logan? Oh we have to play them out so enjoy this
16: The SENZ app Download it today and never miss a moment of your favourite show. Streaming live anywhere, anytime
7: And in sport today things have happened let's find out about the weather
12: everything that's happening in sport is
16: Auckland and the Coromandel is partly cloudy with isolated showers. The remainder of the North Island is fine with some high cloud. Same story for the South Island, apart from some showers about southern Fiordland. And SENZ is the official radio broadcaster for the ICC Women's Cricket World Cup. Catch live commentary of every New Zealand game from 2pm today.
4: Here to get you through your work day, this is Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ.
7: And it's that time of the week where we talk to the great folk at Harness Racing New Zealand. They've done a lot uh, for the station, supporting our charities of choice, giving us our money to play with and giving those monies over to charity. We talked to Mick Gurren earlier on today, and I've been looking through the fields. Cam Kirkwoods from Harness Racing New Zealand joins us. Cam, there's some very good harness uh, racehorses in commission at the moment. It's a great time to follow.
5: Oh. It's always a great time to follow. There's no doubt about that. But uh, yeah, no. Today we've got from about one thirty to nine thirty. We've got harness racing in both islands right through.
7: Um, big races are on. Uh, I think it's tonight, isn't it? Uh, Mick was telling us there's Some really good races at Alex Park. Um, there's just fence line form line like one one one, and the next horse one one two one one. There's, it's it's almost the cream of the crop there.
5: Oh, for sure. No, it is. It's, it's fantastic fields with some of the best horses in the country, which just makes for great racing because everyone has their own opinion as to who's the better horse. So, no, we'll find out tonight.
7: Um, over the weekend, let, let's move away from tonight. I mean, Alex Parker, it's just fantastic. What, what have we got harness racing-wise over the weekend?
5: Uh, we've got on Sunday a method on the grass. Uh, oh. on the grass.
7: I love grass track racing and I don't know why. I probably shouldn't, but I love grass track harness racing because they're generally bigger tracks and every horse gets a chance.
5: Yeah, no, it's even racing and if you like a punt, you can get a pretty good divvy too if you're lucky.
7: Okay, give me a divvy. Give me a divvy. Any meeting, anywhere, give me a divvy. You're not allowed to pick at these $2 shots. Give me a divvy anywhere at any harness meeting over the next few days.
5: Yeah, I shouldn't have said that. I know, um, I
7: know. You set yourself up. No blame on me.
5: <laughs> no, nah, absolutely. Uh, I think, well, that's the way to wait a wee while, but I think in the last at Methven, I think Stack should bounce back into a bit of form. He went really good first up on the grass for a third and uh, went very, very poor in the rain, um, had some gear issues uh, last start, but I think he'll be... He'll be Pretty, pretty right in a slightly smaller field he thinks it should be bang on
7: Robbie Close and it's got a duck egg next to its name uh, so people probably won't back it so it could pay a price but it has had a win from its ten start so I don't mind stack. Hey Cam thanks heaps uh, great crew there at Harness Racing New Zealand, uh, love chatting to you buddy.
5: No perfect thanks
7: heaps. Cam Kirkwood from Harness Racing New Zealand. Uh, we'll take a break and we'll be back in a mo.
9: It's time for the
7: Jeremy Paul Show with your hosts Mark Stafford and Jeremy Paul. Jeremy Paul Show. Oh, straddling the Pacific, the best of both worlds, New Zealand and Australia. Uh, JP, Jeremy Paul, thanks for agreeing to come on a little bit earlier, mate.
9: Uh, Welcome in. Thanks, bro. I'm I'm still dry at the moment. It's it's pretty wet over here. Oh. Like it, it's, it's crazy actually. There's floods all around
7: us. Yeah, so, it's madness, um, isn't it? But what's it, oh, it what,
9: how's it affecting local sport there? Oh, there is none. Like, um, like so, this this oh, crazy weather system came through up north, um, completely wiped out up north. Like the floods all, everywhere up in Queensland, and then came down the border and. Um, some places like actually which i went up went through for christmas for a holiday drove through drove up to the gold coast and um maybe we're talking eight nine meters underwater like it's just yeah it's it's been horrific and i'm just thinking about all the families and stuff that have uh, obviously um, gone through all this carnage. It's Yeah, it's madness, mate.
7: It is madness. Um, you're well aware we go to our listeners and say, got any questions? We haven't got as long as we normally have today because we're out at 25 past to go to the World Cup cricket, which is exciting. Yes. Uh, it's very exciting. Question for Jeremy Paul. This comes from Brendan. Who's one of your favourite players you played against who you still keep in contact with? Oh,
9: uh, we there's a few of them actually like case Mews. case Mews was a, was an absolute gentleman um yeah still keeping roger randall um carl hoff um guys like that like just watching them especially roger randall who's now assistant coach with with the chiefs um great to see him progress his way through to to now professional coaching wonderful coach wonderful player actually um and just guys like that, felt like through my era, like we, we got to actually play against each other and a few classic uh, All Blacks and Wallaby games. <laughs> yeah, they were definitely classics. But um, wasn't much rugby. But there's a lot of uh, a lot of catching up afterwards. That's for sure. A lot like, of after matching. Um, a lot of after matching. He's yeah. he's, yeah, he's yeah.
7: also put a comma and then he said, "And your least favourite player to play against?"
9: Oh, my least Jerry Collins. Like he knocked me out <laughs> twice. <laughs> Like, he's the only bloke that knocked me out. Like, just clean knocked out, like, with his massive forearm. Um, he was so tough. Like, I did I did enjoy catching up with him, though, after a game, especially in Wellington, because you'd, you'd catch up with him and he goes, mate, I'm the mayor. Like, he'd, he'd, he'd walk you into any bar. He was just like... Oh, he's a legend. We lost him way too early. But um yeah, he was he was a scary bugger. Like he was he knocked me out so bad once in in one game in Canberra Stadium where I forgot the line out course. Like I couldn't <laughs> actually remember the line out and then when I Went to throw the ball, all my mechanical and and being able to throw, I actually hit the bloke in the nuts. So, oh. like, you meant to be catching him up in full flight. I hit him in the nuts. Like, I, I couldn't motor. I, like, my motor skills were gone. I couldn't remember anything. Um, yeah, just from one swing of the, the great Jerry Collins forearm.
7: I got a forearm from Jeremy Collins, but it was sort of in jest. It was after a Wellington Sevens, and I went to this bar in – not in Lambton Key. Oh, was it Lambton Key? I can't remember. It was a bar and it was upstairs. And uh, I didn't see him, but he saw me walk in and he came up and sort of did, in his mind, a friendly tackle. Uh, <laughs> winded me, cracked a rib, nearly got knocked out. He was one strong rooster, real strong rooster. Uh, n- another question for you. Um, did JP, as he was climbing through the ranks in Australia, ever consider coming back to New Zealand to try and become an all-black?
9: Oh look! You you never forget. Look, I love. I absolutely love my Moldy heritage, and and um, something that will always be in my heart, and something that I'm actually getting, you know, going back to a lot more in my my older years. But no, no, not really. Like I like I was very fortunate to be given a wonderful life in Australia and a lot of opportunities, and um, you know, I also came through the ranks of sort of Australian under-19s, under-21s and, um, you know, we, we beat the New Zealand under-19s, under-21s in those years and it just sort of started a rivalry, I suppose, that like playing for Australia was was what I was destined to do and who I was destined to play for. So never, never get New Zealand but, um, yeah, just love Australia.
7: Here's a good one. Uh, Jeremy, what was your club... In the mighty Thames Valley swamp fox country, up the red and white dynamite fungamata. Cheers from Scotty. <laughs>
9: yeah, <laughs> uh, Pyro. Like, I, I, I we moved to Pyro, we grew up in Narawai here, and then we moved to Pyro, the old L&P bottle, and um, went to a school, Miller Avenue, I think it was, and played for school and ended up getting in the roller Mills which was the Thames Valley side so uh, but then I left straight after I went to New Zealand when I was thirteen so 12 thirteen so I didn't really play a lot oh so you went yeah, to Australia at 12 or thirteen years of age yeah 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 so I went really early I went really young I went I came over when all the other Kiwis came over in the early 90s stuff. <laughs>
7: <laughs> You're definitely an honour in New Zealand when you come over here, mate. Um, yeah, no doubt about that. <laughs> Here's a good one from Steve as well. Question for JP: Who, in his opinion, is Australia's best fullback option moving forward? Oh, we lost them. Have we lost them? Still there. Hang in there, Jeremy. You might pop back. I oh, dropped out. Oh, I tell you what's there. Australia is so blessed with so many fullbacks, mate. Um, we've got so many options at fullback. Um, anyone from the Brumbies would be straight into the Wallabies in my book. Uh, I'm trying to guess. That's what he'd say. He's ringing back. He's ringing back. We haven't got much longer. We've only got like two minutes. So hopefully he'll come back. Technology. He is there. Jeremy, welcome. Sorry,
9: bro. That- Sorry, but mate, the internet's awful. We're we, like it's just nonstop rain. Non-stop mm. rain. So, um, who's the
7: who's the Wallabies' best fullback option moving forward? We've got about a minute left.
9: Yeah, no, no Tom Banks. Look, his try against Fiji last week was like just the start. I think I think Tom Banks will um, like continue to work on. Like he's been spectacular at provincial level for the last few years and hasn't translated that into his Wallaby performances. But it's just a matter of confidence for him. I really think Tom Banks is is a guy that's going to cement that 15 jersey absolutely i I
7: haven't got room for one more question because it's a very important one from Joel. jp have you booked your tickets to new zealand yet because we're desperate for you to co-host with staffy
9: (laughs) not yet but i will i will i can't wait to get over there and spend a day in the in the studio that'd be awesome
7: it'll be off the hook hey buddy thanks so much for joining us we'll catch up again
9: Pleasure. See you next
7: week. Cheers, mate. Jeremy Paul there. Just how good he always makes himself available, ducks himself out of the office. Um, I can see there is a lot of it's concerning me. There's a lot of frantic moving in the production booth. Is, is everything under control, Logan? Is everything under control?
0: Yeah, mate, we're just heating up for this first game of I the, uh, of the uh, Cricket World Cup there with New Zealand taking on the West Indies. And, of course, you get it all ball by ball here on SNZ Radio. We're going to be rocking this afternoon, mate.
7: Oh, we are.
0: Um, oh, that's... Um, oh, I can't remember her name.
7: The big opening ceremony has started. I can see Daniel McCarty. I can see Garth Galloway. I can see half another person in Garth's picture. Give me a wave. Oh, the commentary team are excited. Look at the smiles from the commentary team. Uh, I'd like to do a big thank you to the commentary team uh, for jumping in and being part of history. Um, A New Zealand-hosted World Cup. Boy, do we need it. Uh, We're going to see some of New Zealand's finest female athletes on the stage, and it's probably the last... Uh, Cricket World Cup for the likes of Susie Bates it all gets underway the first game against the West Indies is coming up Uh, Garth, Daniel and, and a cast of unbelievably we're so fortunate to have you as part of our commentary team enjoy the White Ferns
4: When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese tomato and aioli so